edition 148 it is the matrix red pills oracles ai metaphor and symbolism this pop culture phenomenon filled with new archetypes and perennial philosophies is a cyberpunk fantasy well worth exploring join the team as we once again go down the true rabbit hole that is the matrix franchise welcome all of you Hi, thanks for having me. Right. I, well, we have a whole crew of y'all in here. There's, like, this is probably the most people we've ever tried to wow. have in this discussion. Uh, so I might go around the table. Um, well, first, I'm going to do the cards, and then we'll introduce who's on. Uh, but this episode reduces to the number 13, which is the death card. I'm not too surprised that's happening. I know that this too shall pass. Death is about ending of a major phase to being trusted, surrendering, awakening to life and new growth, stripping yourself bare and shuffling off your current identity and rebirthing yourself. Raphael, what would the Galactic Heritage card be? We have number 40, Pleiades, Stubbornness, Past Timeline. This message relates to having a fixed idea of how things should be and trying to force reality to fit that picture. This was a strong trait in the ancient Pleiadian culture, which created many problems for their civilization. Some of us still carry this habitual pattern. Take a look at the situation you want changed. Be honest and see if you are trying to force a reality that doesn't exist in the now. Be truthful in order to make a change. We first must fully accept and relax with the situation as it is. Only then will things change in a natural way. There is no spoon. Exactly. I was like, even that card reminds me of a few things, like the architect trying to force his mind onto things and stuff. Let's go ahead. Um, I want to hear if that card resonated or either of the cards resonate with y'all. And let's go around maybe from um, top to bottom in this group. Uh, We've got Alexander Mazzone. Say hey. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me again. Yeah, dude, you're dope. Uh, did any of that resonate in terms of the cards? Absolutely, my man. Yeah, I mean, that that's what the whole transformation of this whole, like, you know, matrix down the rabbit hole thing basically is. It is it is a death. It's a death of the, way, the old way and, you know, looking at things in a new perspective. Exactly. Next up is SJ Anderson. So Alexander's been on a few episodes. SJ's been on a few episodes. SJ, what up? Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, really excited to be here to talk about uh, this amazing uh, work of art. And yeah, that that uh, resonated for sure. You know, death is, I think, uh, associated with Scorpio, the sign ruled by Mars. And this is a season of Mars retrograde, which is about to start. A lot of uh, energy around that, a lot of destruction because potentially uh, in the air, not to negative project, but just very intense time, very kind of... Uh, breakdown of things that have gone on before moment that we're in so i think that's very apropos stay in the moment uh this too shall pass i love that that's what's up and thanks for uh coming on i know that you said uh i i reached out to you and i was like yo i think do you like the matrix And you're like i'm way into it i watched it for fun and i've recently watched it and stuff so i i knew that you were a good mind to get on this little round table um next on the docket is thea 
She's my friend from West Hollywood who's actually an admin on Team Rabbit Hole's meme page. She's been doing this shit with me for a hot minute. Thea, what's up? I think this is your first time on here. It is. I usually stay in the background and support you, but the Matrix is my shit. You know, it's my jam. I knew as soon as between this and Star Wars, I knew I had to get you on. So I still want to have an episode and we'll have to schedule it of just kind of going into your history and life and any kind of rabbit holes you want to go down. Um, But as soon as we, uh, Rafa had mentioned he had recently watched this film series, I knew you were one of the people I'd have to hit up because it's, uh, I think, one of the tomes that kind of directs your ontological perspective pretty heavily. So welcome aboard. And last but not least, Thomas Sockwitz. He's also been on here a bunch. Thomas, what up? Yo, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me on again. Super stoked and definitely very fun topic to get into. And yeah, of course, those cards resonated a lot. I, I think I commented in there, uh, there is no spoon. And yeah, that's, I mean, between that Palladian card kind of just showing that idea of like, that the matrix is essentially that mode of reality that is bendable and that we have to see past. And then the death card for sure, just that um, entrance into the void or the assemblage point that we can dive down to start going through the death process to awaken ourselves out of the matrix. Yeah. The red pill scene that we heard as the intro, I think, I mean, even just hearing it, there's a lot to it. He's Morpheus kind of joking about, you know, taxes and religion and stuff, all these systems of control. And uh, not that they're ultimately bad, but these are things we submit to um, that might take away some of our authenticity at a level. And that is what that Pleiadian card was kind of talking about being stubborn with a perspective uh, can have its benefits, but can also have its downsides. Part of the snake shedding its skin is that death card. So it's like, you know, the Ouroboros is always going, but like, are you going well with the flow or not? So I'm kind of curious um, how you guys, I mean, when I, when the Matrix movie dropped, I was in eighth grade or so. And I had, I was watching it with my girlfriend, like laying on my stomach or whatever. It was like one of these, and with my friends in the room. So it was one of these weird things where, uh, I didn't see it in theater. I was watching it with a crew of friends, and I knew half watching it, half like hanging out with my girlfriend, that it was dope. So, I mean, I turned onto it and kept watching it after that. And obviously, the other movies dropped. The Animatrix is dope as fuck, which we'll talk about probably. Um, but I'm curious as to what your recollections of turning on to this kind of um, trilogy slash epic uh, were. And whoever wants to start first can talk. Or should I should I govern the kitty cats? Uh, we'll go back with the other way. Thomas, how did you turn on the Matrix? You know what's funny is I can't really even one hundred percent recall exactly the moment that the movie came in. Probably because I've just seen it so many times at this point. Um, but I remember I can triangulate somewhat of the beginning of getting into it. Um, my mom actually was a participant in the uh, that the program that the the brothers that made that film they went through a specific kind of program that's like a transformation in consciousness. Um, it's actually something that's it's like fairly popular. I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Maybe somebody else. Transcendental knows. meditation. 
No, it's it, it it involves that, but it's like a like a whole like weekend thing that you go to, and then they they basically like decode your consciousness. Uh, like it's like a seminar or something, um, and it has one name right now and it actually started back in like the seventies or something under a different name. And then they changed it, uh, when it, when it made a transformation, but, uh, maybe I'll even have to look it up at some point while somebody else is talking so I can reference it. But it, so my mom went through that program and she told me, you know, Oh, these, these famous guys, you know, that made this movie, the matrix. And then I checked it out and, it was just a massive, uh, you know, all sorts of lights went off. Of course, by that time, I was already into a lot of the types of concepts and material that they were talking about. But it was just mind blowing to me how many of the different concepts, they all fit into one one movie, you know. That's what's up, Thea. How did you turn on to The Matrix and the trilogy Animatrix, whatever? But I mean, I obviously started with the first film. I was there in 1999 at the theater, absorbing it all. Um, I was working for a Lutheran church as a youth pastor, and I immediately, the moment I could get the licensing, I screened it for anyone who would watch it. So um, I indoctrinated my whole group of kids in this idea, but it was mostly filtered through the eyes of Neo being an archetype of Jesus in this kind of idea. And since then, you know, I can do any archetype. It's just another analogy for rebirth as the death card. And Lana and Larry have actually said that the matrix is really about transitioning from male to female. So it's actually a transgender movie. Which is interesting that you point out because uh, SJ sent me an article, the Wachowski brothers who did this film, which actually was a screenplay, I think, by another woman who sued and got a bunch of money. And it vaguely stinks, not in a bad way, it smells like um, this comic book called The Invisibles by Grant Morrison, um, which kind of preceded this. Um, But SJ, how did you turn on to The Matrix? It's a strange question because I have no recollection of the first time I saw the film, which is very strange because I always remember when I've been in theaters and saw the, you know, seen the seen movies. That was the summer. I'm certain I saw it in the theater, though I can't. Again, like I said, I can't recall. I do remember from that year seeing Eyes Wide Shut in the theater, and then I was in rehab. And when I saw Fight Club, they drew, they drove us to watch Rehab, which is a strange movie to see a bunch of a. Uh, for a bunch of young guys in rehab to see. But so that year, I think I was just in a That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I think the, he's talking about landmark forum. Maybe it's, um, I remember being around uh, in Austin, there was this landmark forum. Yes. I understand. Landmark. Yeah. It was a seminar and it was change your life in a week. And I never went, but I, I think I went to one introductory, you know, the first level where they were trying to get new recruits. And then I just like, I'm, I just said, I refused to participate. You didn't um, take the red pill. Well, I, my cult antenna is pretty high, and I'm not saying that that can't be empowering. It just it felt a little, you know, some of the techniques they were using to sell it were just a little too strange for me. Um, I'm not really a joiner in that way, uh, maybe. But let me just think here. The other thing I want to say about it, I mean, I remember then seeing the other two in the theater. So by, by the time those come out, my memory is crystal clear. I saw them as soon as they came out, the second and third. And... Um, 
you know, it just like someone else said, uh, it is it's seeped into the consciousness and the, of the collective so deeply that it doesn't surprise me that sometimes these memories aren't as accessible. That's what's up. Mr. Brazil, how did you get impacted by this? You might like this, Jim. Um, so my first uh, relationship with this movie was actually being in art class senior year. And uh, I'm looking at my buddy and uh, I'm, I'm like basically just knew by the look on his face, by the look in his eyes, like him kind of like just like staring out through the void, like kind of like when you'd see that like little kid with his finger up his nose and you'd be staring at his eyes and you'd be like, where is that kid right now? Like he's making that face. So I, I look at my other friend and I was like, what's wrong with Mike? And uh, he goes, he went to see the Matrix. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And uh, he goes, well, he went to see this movie, which apparently is really crazy. And he didn't know. He went to see the first showing of it and he went on acid. So <laughs> um, he literally heavy. was like, yeah, it was really heavy, it, like to the point where like I've never even like touched that stuff because of that. I don't find any problem with the people that uh, do it. Like, you know, each we each have our own path and our own like way to our power. Um, but, uh, the, just the fact of seeing him like that, knowing that that was a possibility, cause this is a very, very, very shell shocked, I'm sure. Very, very awesome. And I think literally like being in that state of just being like, you know, a, a senior in high school and like, he literally thought that was reality. And I mean, basically because it is, I know it's based on reality and, you know, I'm really into the archetypes as we've, as we've talked about like a thousand times. So I'm going to be getting into the archetypes, uh, here and there. And also it's like. You know, how do you talk about the Matrix without at least bringing up the like, you know, the OG rabbit hole of Alice in Wonderland? So I might be making some connotations and references to that as well. That's what's up. Uh, just briefly, because the first time when, I, when the original 99 Matrix dropped, I wasn't doing any psychedelics or anything. But by the time it was 2003, when the second, and third ones released in the same year. And during 2003, my senior year, I had a nervous breakdown largely because I was doing a bunch of psychedelics, but also my parents were going to the divorce and I was doing Kundalini activations without really knowing what the fuck I was doing. And uh, I had this mushroom trip where basically I didn't have visuals, but I was like as above, so below. I just saw everything as this infinite fractal, like it's all infinitely scopic and relative. Um, and fractals were my thing. And this is before YouTube really, so I don't, I mean, there wasn't anything to get on on, the bat, uh, on that with. And I was kind of freaking out. If you ever talk to my brother, he'll be like, yeah, you had a fractal moment and I still love fractals, but I was just like, everything's a fractal, holy shit, holy shit. I was freaking my family out. Uh, and then of course, the beginning of the second Matrix movie is like, deeper than this you know the binary coding of the green is like this fractal yellow kind of energy cheese stuff and i was like oh my fucking god no way <laughs> like it was so not as bad as doing uh the film the first one on acid but similar in the sense that i've seen these things in a weird headspace just generally speaking um rafael i'm kind of curious how you turn onto these films so as far as i remember i actually didn't see the first one for a few years i think I may have seen the second and third one by then maybe in a movie or just online or some actually I also I don't really know to be honest um however then when I did some more research of course I got turned on to Mark Passio um who's doing a YouTube video called Matrix Decoded there's a German version called by Traukeinen Promi who basically uses his material and adds to it very well done and i think like a, a basic uh, documentary to watch at least after one has seen the the main moves it really fleshes out the archetypes pretty well and 
then what I'd like to say on my question that I recently kind of had, okay, everyone's talking about uh, red pill. However, I would really like to know what is the blue pill. So maybe we can get into that. Um, Rudolf Steiner also talks about it in terms of the red and the blue pillar, apparently in uh, anthroposophy, I guess it's called in English. And here it refers to the blue more being a veil of illusion and the red, I don't know, getting more to the core or the truth, which is kind of interesting. So the red-blue reference may actually stem from that. And aside from that, what I remember in terms of Matrix, when I had my quote-unquote awakening experience synchronistically and I was with a bunch of friends, uh, due to lack of um, superior vocabulary or whatever, all I could tell them was like, guys, it's the Matrix. So, yeah, so much for that. And it really did take the world by storm. I mean, everything from the uh, graphics, you know, the surrounding bullet dodging kind of cliche. I've heard rap songs be like, you know, be able to dodge bullets like the Matrix or Take Six. Like, it seeped in on so many levels. I'm sure SNL made a bunch of sketches, that kind of stuff. Uh, it became it became a, a thing to itself. I kind of equated it because my stepdad, I was saying we we're going to have this episode today. He's never seen it. And I was like, it's like the Wizard of Oz or something. Right, it's like something that changes cinema. It changes culture. It changes perspectives, and the um, maybe the the philosophical jargon going around in circles at the water cooler, so to speak. So I don't think we need to necessarily. Um, I, at first, I was going to just read synopsis of the each movie. I don't really need to walk the movie. If you guys have seen it, um, whoever's listening, you know where we're going to be talking about. And if you haven't seen it, probably stop listening now. Go watch this trilogy in the Animatrix, which is a compendium. Uh, which is beautifully done also, and then maybe check this episode out. But we won't have to go, you know, scene by scene kind of plot stuff. Um, I'm not actually sure how to crack this cookie because I think everybody's got maybe Can I go? Different... I go? Yes, Thea, go for it. Can we just discuss out of all – let's go with the first movie, but overall, let's go with, like, what's the aha moment? Like, what's the first time in the first movie where you went, oh, my God, What's that defining scene that you go, wow, this this could be real. This could be my reality. Um, I'm well, going to go. Oh, yeah, you go. Sure. No, you go, Jim, because no, this I think is, we're all this, you and I talk about it. Oh, yeah. It, well, I'm, You've got the gun I was loaded. lucky enough. Shoot. Sure, sure. I'm lucky enough to live by the will turn in L.A. I'm, I'm in the heart of Hollywood. I'm grateful to work in Hollywood and uh appreciate bullet time uh cameras <laughs> it's incredible to watch when it's all set up and watch uh people do their martial arts <laughs> it's it's ballet it's gorgeous ballet um the opening sequence when uh trinity is trying to you know contact neo and and uh you see these aero acrobatics that is combined from old school kung fu movies, this mishmash of old world, new world, and the way that it's colored, it just got me immediately. And the the dot matrix that we lived in in 1999, in the eve of Y2K, it was the perfect storm to release this movie. There wasn't a better time in history for people to wake the heck up and worldwide. And we saw a mass waking of people questioning their dogmatic views. And it was just, uh, it was a catalyst, this movie. Which kind of gets into the chicken and egg. I, I think in a weird way, Hollywood is magic, 
and movie making and all this stuff is storytelling. Like, um, yes, Lord of the Rings and all this stuff is like, can't be touched in terms of Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and any number of, uh, you know, authors, Victor Hugo, people used to construct realities, construct matrices of, uh, imagination for us to dwell in, in those places. But like you're saying, the cinematography was cutting edge to the degree. No one was using those effects. It was like state of the art at the time, that whole, like kind of panning around people in slow-mo. Um, and ironically, that room that Trinity's kind of kicking all the cops' asses in where the, you know, she's got to go run for it. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's the room. That's 303. That's the room where Neo has to break into at the end when he gets all shut up. Um, just a little uh, sink yeah, there. I love that you noted that. Yeah, I tried to pay attention. And anybody What's feel free to jump in. What's the energy of 303, though? What's the energy of well, 303? Like, we talk about Kubrick. And the symbolism numerology, which is also my gem, I, I'm sure that you guys as well, what you start out with, it reduces to 13 and um, uh, symbolism here. Yeah, let's go. Well, and anybody, like I said, you can flash your lips. Oh, right there, bro. Right go there. Go for it. Jump in. Yeah, we, we, we talked about this one time, man, 13 being the queen frequency. So these are numbers that were taken off of the tarot cards intentionally. So the adept on their journey to master would find that information. So the number one represents man, the number two represents female. And then this is kind of all a sandwich in numerology because there's these numbers, like you hear 12 and they act like 12 is the hidden number. And then you have these people talking about 13 is the hidden number. But in actuality, it's the 13 and the 14 because the 13 being the queen frequency and the 14 being the king. So it's kind of like this sandwich of this male energy and then this female energy that was kind of left right there in the codes. So that being the 13, this is all talking about Trinity and that symbology. What is the Trinity, the Trinity, the downward triangle, this down downward triangle, which is basically the cup, once again, which is water, which is intuition, which is divine feminine nature. And this is basically based upon, you know, this whole like he has to save Trinity. He has to save the divine feminine when in actuality, the divine feminine ends up saying saving Neo, who's pseudo the one. These letters moved around, which are supposed to say the one this Neo ends up getting saved by the goddess, by the the feminine archetype. So that's all like. In, in exactly several times so it's like he's supposed to save her this whole like white knight thing and you know once again to just to relate that to alice in wonderland for a second that's something that walt disney took out from the original book like there was basically this white knight and he didn't want to leave that in there which i think is cool but not at the same time i have my whole oh, whole things with him we're not talking about that today but um basically this whole like the white knight uh was the one who gave alice the information on like when she was most lost like which is like this whole theme of the white knight that saves people so basically it goes from this 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 girl in this olden day an olden time an olden way of thinking of the girl needing to be saved by the guy and now it goes to the guy needing to be saved by the girl because that's what this whole awakening process is about is us basically you know all together being like no 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 no, we're going to protect the divine feminine and there's not going to be another witch trial and that's that well, even in that scene, uh, the opening scene where it's already putting kind of patriarchal stereotypes on its head because you have the FBI or whatever the agents are representing kind of men in black uh, with the cops and this, these guys being like, don't give me this jurisdiction, like emphasizing. They call her a little girl. Yeah, they're like, exactly. They're like, yo, your guys are already dead. Not normally are you getting a feminine role kicking so much ass uh, and it's got this whole noir kind of um s&m vibe to it just straight off the bat so people knew that they were going into something new just within the first few minutes i think um 
And I could just think about the 30, 303. I mean, if you shove out that zero, it's 33. That's the number of vertebrae in your spine. That's the Masonic uh, secret number. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff here. And it's funny because I think it, it's many people save each other in multiple ways. Like Morpheus, which we can get into in a minute, is like the one who obviously turns, you know, Neo has been searching and Neo is also like not only the one anagram thing, but like neocortex, like part of your mind, right? That is searching yeah, in a yeah. very um, masculine, penetrative kind of uh, swords way, so to speak, in a tarot sense. And he's looking, he's looking, um, if you, you know, ask it, you shall receive kind of thing. So he's looking for this guy. And ironically, they've been looking for him for very different reasons because they think he's the one ultimately or has a certain algorithm to fit this profile. Um, and it's, I want to know what makes him the one that's, that's for later on, but I want to know what made him the one. Well, that's tricky because it happens multiple times. So it's not just one iteration. It seems like this is a recurrent theme, um, but almost like avatars, like Krishna is Jesus is whatever. Like there's iterations that there's usually like one person punctuating in a certain way to reset the whole system at a time. You guys, whatever we can get into that. I've definitely went to. And like I said, anybody can. Cause he in. could see without eyes would be my answer. Ultimately. Uh, and the third one for sure. Um, but just I'll say this and I'll shut the fuck up. Um, That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that and added that too, but thanks so much for adding that. He could see when they took his eyes away. And that, that happens in other esoteric um, myths where, you know, what happens if you can't see? Right. And the Oracle's eyes were like a valuable prize to the Merovingian at one point. He's like, I want those eyes. Maybe we all have those eyes um, to yes. see without sight. Um, but the thing that's funny is there's almost an orgy of saving in a sense. Like Morpheus saves Neo. Neo saves Morpheus. Trinity is the one who, you know, shows him the white rabbit and gets him turned on. And then he saves her. It's like no one is really the one savior in that sense. And they all have many levels of saving each other. And I think that shows that um, the baton, it's like musical chairs. I mean, I think the baton gets passed around quite a bit. So it's not like, it's not pyramidical in the sense, or pyramidal in the sense that uh, it's like one person at the top always saving and everybody else is submitting to that. But um, anyway, just to answer your question, Theo, I think the moment I knew that I was hooked was when he touches the mirror. Um, and especially having broken through in DMT, the one he starts kind of pixelating and turning like. Dude, just, yes, yes. Uh, it was very DMT realistic. Was, it almost like what if no one has ever been on DMT or an acid, they experienced it through the matrix. <laughs> right. It was, a, it was a, an initiatory process in and of itself. And that was what I was kind of saying about earlier with Hollywood in the sense that they, I don't know if they know what's up and they force the play or they're just playing the Tao as it stands and just knowing the times well, but we're all being initiated at multiple levels and this was definitely a gate threshold thing but i've been talking plenty um we could kind of did anybody else have any thoughts about where uh you know in the movie where they were turned on and said this is pretty dope yeah i'll just jump in here i think um for me i've seen that opening sequence quite a lot so even though uh, i haven't watched the film every year since it came out um, a lot more recently i would put on that youtube uh, opening sequence and my favorite part of it is uh, not the se the sequence after the opening sequence when uh, Mr. Anderson, or I don't know what in what order the sequence is, but basically Mr. Anderson gets the call, he gets chased, and then he gets trapped by the agents. Um, I love that scene when he's on the windowsill, the phone drops, and then it, then he basically gives back over. 
Uh, but then he gives the finger to uh, Smith. That's kind of my favorite scene. He says, I'll take my lawyer and just gives him that finger. And I, I bring that scene up because that moment up, because I think there's a great anti-hero element and a great kind of resistance to power uh, part of his character that we see almost immediately that's so attractive. You know, everybody wants to fight the man and he's got that spirit of resistance already in his character. Um, that really drew me in. I really am uh, a fan of that. Just a couple other quick points before we move on. So Dark City is a movie that came out in, I think, Good call. I've seen, I've, I saw that in the theater. I have great recollections of that. I just watched that again recently before you even told me about this, Jim. And um, the other thing I want to bring up, and it's a similar idea that the world isn't the world. There's another world, and there's people that understand what the real world is, and then the characters wake up to that understanding. Uh, the other thing I want to take this way back um, is... Uh, Plato's cave um, and this is you know an old allegory about seeing shadows on a wall and how we're collectively asleep but we can sort of wake up in that slumber and then kind of go back into the real light the true sunlight and that darkness um, um, set design of the matrix and of dark city I think is a big part of what this is all about light and dark right a binary and if I had to pick one theme as an entryway into the whole of you know, the story it's the binary light dark on off one two what is that you know and cause effect so fundamental yeah to our to our nature to our reality why is that so fundamental you know um in uh, you know insert and and shoot in the cell and then someone receives the cell that's how a child is born right and so um there's a you can go everywhere with just this idea of exploring a binary so um that's why i have my tattoo jim you've seen it she does have ink. I'm forgetting exactly what you mean by that, but yes. I have binary on my on my wrist instead of words. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, that's how into this she is. I mean, she relates to it at a higher level like that. Um, Thomas, was there a scene that popped that kind of hooked you to the whole kind of idea of this film series? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it was. It was definitely the scene, you know, the the famous scene with the the televisions that, uh, you know, Morpheus puts Neo in a chair and all of a sudden he's seeing into the other world on the TV and he's being explained uh, the reality of the whole situation. And um, yeah, for me, that I had just had that sort of existential slash psychedelic slash spiritual uh feeling that was cultivated so well in that scene so many times even leading up to that movie that that was my moment of like instantaneous like oh okay i see where this is going this is going to be like this is like a game changer that they're bringing this up in in a film in this way so yeah definitely that scene for me the resolution of the splinter in your own mind i think that is something that this calls into um because there's a level of modernity and then entering post-modernity. And this film series, though, I think uh, SJ sent me a link and I said it to Raphael, talking about um, the author, I'm forgetting his name right now, Baudrillard or something, or something like that. The guy, Baudrillard. The books, yeah, Baudrillard, Baudrillard. There you go. Um, the simulation and simulacrum book that Neo is stashed in his 2000 bucks from the guy who's talking about mescaline and being in a dream and follow the white rabbit, that whole scene. Um, yeah. that, that's what pr- essentially kicked off this foray in a way i know that um sj could probably talk about it more 
succinctly than I can, but basically this isn't, it's almost a mashup of Plato's cave meets that guy's simulation and simulacra. Um, and the author actually was kind of not all about it. And he didn't, they asked him to participate with the, you know, the second and third ones and he wouldn't. But I think um, in that little vignette thing that you showed me that this was like required reading for all the people on set. So, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves had to read this book or whatever the fuck. So I think people were getting into a place where post-modernity and the idea of truth, meaning, authority, control, um, reality, perspective, all these kinds of things are very crux to it. Because in modernity, it's just like A plus B equals C. It is what it is. Go along with it. Um, at some point, you start getting into, like you are saying, anti-hero sentiments. Kind of post-modernism is all about that and you know inverted heroes. Um, and even like SJ, you were saying with that scene where his mouth kind of gets sealed and he gets the, uh, tracking device in his belly button, which is kind of crazy. He, it's weird because in, in an American sense, um, some of you aren't American or, you know, Raphael's not American, but we, you know, we have a tendency to rely on our rights, quote unquote. He's like, I know my phone call. And he's alluding to like a level of, um, privilege, I guess you could say. And it's yeah, just yeah. crazy how I like the Smith is like, fuck you. Like you can't even get around this. Um, so right away you're kind of put into kind of paradoxes of like submission versus authority versus who's in control, which is a major theme, obviously in the second and third ones, ultimately. Um, so anybody else have any scenes, uh, that really popped out and inspired them and then we can kind of keep going. Can I comment about Thomas's, uh, scene where he sits and watches the, the desert the of the true, real, the desert of the real. Yeah. I see it as an allegory to, you know, Hollywood pumps out a false image of what reality is. And when I lived in abroad, I was like, our greatest export for America has been a lie. And so we... Well, it's fantasy. We, we sell yeah, fantasy. total fantasy. We sell fantasy. I, I often say, you know, I, I create escapism for the masses. Well, it's really weird, yeah. and SJ might be able to speak more succinctly on it. Um, I'm not sure, because you're the one who turned me on to that, and I sent it to Raphael. I don't know if you saw it, but, but this is getting into Jean Bouliard or whatever his name. I'm going to butcher it, Jean. Um, his whole thing was that the map isn't the territory, but basically we've created approximations of things that are so real. So in the sense, like, I don't know, when you watch an advertisement for soda – and it's like, oh, if you drink Coca-Cola, you'll, all your friends will be smiling and the pretty girl will wink at you and all this kind of shit. Um, we think that that's the actual experience that will occur. So that becomes a model in our minds for what to anticipate, whereas that's not really how reality works. And then we start expecting that in reality, which replaces the real reality. I know I'm butchering this idea altogether. So, SJ, do you know what I'm kind of getting at here? Yeah, I mean, I could just share a little bit about my experiences with Baudrillard before The Matrix because I, in high school, we were reading uh, Baudrillard um, in high school debate. That's one thing I participated in, but it was all about the Gulf War. He has this famous book called The Gulf War. So the Gulf War, War didn't happen? Or he said the Gulf War didn't happen. Yeah, the Gulf War never happened. I, I don't know the exact title, but it's something like that. And the idea was that it was just it mediated right through the media and that's it was created as a media event and then produced in the media and it actually it actually fits with the idea of wag the dog that, wag the that do came out yeah about three years before or two years before this late 90s pockets of movies are like some of the best and they did set up it seems like the kind of the intellectual structure for this cycle this 20-year cycle we're entering into a new cycle by the way in terms of the astrology because 
Jupiter and Saturn conjoined in May 2000 in Taurus shortly after this picture came out. And those 20 year cycles can be very, very powerful. So I'm glad we're talking about this now. But I just want to say, yeah, I mean, this idea is that the, things are mediated. Right. And what is real? It's what we're what we see, what we think, what we believe. And I and the thing about the Matrix is so powerful that, that you can set aside mainstream media. And that question still stands about what's in your imagination and your thoughts and the words you entertain. Right. This can eat. This is still the same question. You know, what is real? You know, so it, has anyone it, seen the movie Branded? No. Yes. Uh, also 1999, I believe, or uh, where a production company basically creates uh, a reality, just like you were talking about, and it's ruled by a. a overlord that no one knows about but i'm glad that somebody else understands what branded is go ahead sorry everyone go watch branded that's a really yeah goes in the similar directions let's say and uh, amazingly visual and clear well like esther was saying the zeitgeist at that time was pumping out things like um fight club which is like you know you are not the things you buy and there have been a whole generation of people who found their identity in materialism essentially um, and we were starting to get the, not that things are bad necessarily, but there's a price to be paid when your entire ego structure is invested in like catalog life or whatever, Abercrombie and Fitch jeans and Nike shoes or whatever the fuck. And Brandon. it's like, yeah, okay, okay, I'll have to check it out for sure. Um, but uh, SJ, continue with what you're saying about um, that guy's stuff. No, that, that's all I was saying. I mean, the one other point to maybe mention is just that his critique of the matrix was that the, there's no way out of the binary. Like it's not, you can't just say that's red, that's blue, and then you're fixed, right? It's the um, the fake reality. The it's like, it's infinitely regressed, right? And it just keeps going and going and going and going. I think actually the second and third films in the series actually really show that because neo wakes up in the matrix and then smith comes into the so-called real world and there's a blending of the two worlds uh, uh ultimately and it's and it, and it becomes very strange those movies have been criticized for like what the hell this is confusing i don't understand and i think that's maybe they what excellent. they were trying to do was like blend break down the binary with, through the narrative and the plot structure um yeah, i which, don't have a which, scene just briefly from the first movie, but as you're referencing this idea of infinite regress or watching the trilogy with a certain level of awareness, and once I had some awareness and was, I guess, re-watching it, I'm not exactly sure, I distinctly remember the scene when Neo is able to basically short-circuit the watchers, or however they're called, the sentinels, the sentinels exactly, yeah. and he's able to short-circuit them in the quote-unquote real world. I was like, oh, now this is where it starts really to get interesting. Yes. And it can still be seen as an allegory. But <clears throat> in a sense, he's already, in within his plot and framing of the movie, he's already outside the Matrix. So it's not only that he can get, get back into the Matrix and have superpowers, but even have the same in the real world. And I was yes. like, now we're getting somewhere, right? Yes. Exactly, brother. Yeah, no, that's that kind of brings me back to that whole like red blue, red pill blue blue pill thing. Like you were talking about the uh, symbologies or what we thought about it, 
And that's definitely like, you know, the blue pill, like the color blue in the spectrum, like, like even thinking about spectrum. the chakra system, like when you see this color, that's like the mind, like, you know, you might see the throat, but like overall, uh, you know, what we're saying, what we're thinking, like this mind throat area. So I like take the blue pill and just keep thinking, keep speaking how you are, or take this red pill, which is basically the, the doorway. You know, it's like the root chakra being the, you know, the roots, like the, the, the opening of the door, like this Ganesha functionality. So, you know, it's like basically him restarting this journey to then. And that's exactly what I wanted to talk about, Raphael. So good point. Um, like him basically only being like this magical being when he's like on the other end of this phone line, basically his subconscious, his intuition, his spiritual power. But then he ends up gaining that spiritual power in what is the actual physical reality. So like good stuff, man. Well, that was one, like Esther was saying, one of um, how do you pronounce his last name? The guy? Baudrillard. Baudrillard. I'll try not to butcher it. But, Let's uh, all yeah. say it together. I'm kidding. Baudrillard. Uh, whole issue was like in the Matrix films, all three of them, but I see how the blending is doing it at a levels that I don't know if he was all down with. Um, there's a very distinct uh, hard reality, like the the world, you know, where the earth is scorched and fucking they're hanging out in sewers and all that shit. And then you like, you know, get in the matrix and his phone, um, and dial in or whatever. And these are very distinct, like binary realities. And what his kind of contention, I guess was, is that it's such, uh, the simulations become so entrenched in our reality. We can't actually discern them. Kind of what we're saying about with the second, third one, where it's like, yes, in the first movie, it's like, wow, Hazan, you know, you're like the savior of that little, you know the imaginal world you could put it like that way but in the hard and fast world the biological world maybe um you're just another dude you have to be plugged in to be the one you can't do kung fu out here and the the funny thing is it's kind of like a fourth wall breakage where it's like it starts punctuating further past that original binary and you start having implied infinite regression kind of like what we're saying um where it's like where are the limits to this and um that's kind of what I think the whole issue with Seraph being, uh, you know, when he's reading Seraph's uh, code and it's not the same. And Seraph is like Seraphim, like an angel, like yeah. this fire being. Um, it's just a, of another nature, but these are getting into, you're still within a sub, you're still within a reality at some level, um, even if it's a reality that's greater than the one you're in, if this is making any sense what I'm saying. So we were proposed like, oh, you're born in a prison, you know, you never taste it, you can't tell, you know, you're, you're trapped, black iron prison kind of shit. And then you punctuate, and then you think you have this victory over the false in that sense. But that keeps going further and further. It doesn't just stop there. So that's why uh, when Neo is kind of controlling the Sentinels, he is surprised. Um, and when Smith has kind of incarnated in somebody else, um, there's this kind of the line between even what we would call technologically possible versus biologically possible gets blurred. Because ultimately, as I think all of us here would concur, it's all energy. And then we create um, the dualities at levels that we can comprehend at any given time. Or you know, so some at some point, some people are like running around being like, "Oh yeah, we dial up," and then that's the matrix. And then when we're out of the matrix, we're not in the matrix. And then that's a false dichotomy, essentially. Like this is a, a, a Russian doll set that goes all the way out, probably forever. And that's kind of where it goes. I'm rambling. So um, what we're, we're used what, to, it and we love it. Right, I tend to, I tend to do it, but I want to hear y'all's thoughts. That's why I got y'all on here. So, um, what were kind of some of the themes? I mean, maybe we can just touch on different things. What we're talking about right now, we might as well stick in this domain and we can leave it later. Like, what is 
true and real versus quote what's artificial and simulated. How do you guys uh, think about this in terms of your own ontological opinions? So one, you know, people who are spiritual, are like yo, um, you know, the government sucks and voting is ridiculous, but your chakras are awesome or something like that. Like, is that a false dichotomy? Is that somebody playing with a matrix in the wrong way? Or do you think that these levels of kind of real versus fake are are like that? Because I think we're all pretty spiritual here in that sense, so we see an inherent duality um, in this situation. I feel like um, I wanted to say what I feel like is really important about this, uh, you know, this whole discussion is, you know, one of the reasons that Neo is the one like uh, like she was talking about is because inherently Neo wakes up to being the third thing, you know, so we have the zero and the one, which is the binary is also the red and the blue pill, which is, you know, the positive and negative polarity in the electromagnetic spectrum. And then Neo inherently is like waking up to the fact that he is, he is essentially real, right? Which that's the like interesting thing in, in this whole discussion is Mercury, which is, you know, the child, the one that the, the master of the hermetic arts and things like that. It's the, it's the merger of the mother and the mother and father, you know, it's that thing that is birthed in between their union, which is like, what this is really trying to point at is that both inherently the real quote unquote world and the artificial world, both kind of have a certain level of, I guess, falsehood to them in a way that can only truly be controlled or transcended by the third thing. And that's what Neo like wakes himself up to. And that's like kind of like the process that we all go through is like taking this artificial programming in our consciousness and like dissolving it, transmuting the the trauma and the conditioning that, that comes from awakening within this matrix, which is yeah. a womb. And as we digest that, we inherently gain back more and more power until we become that thing that can kind of play play with both you know like the child it's like the child playing with the the marbles which are the spheres and the planets and things of that ultimate fluidity excellent and it's funny that you say mercury because that is what he's turning into a liquid metal mercury when he touches the mirror in that sense so it is an initiation through that mercurial kind of both andism um when he starts fighting morpheus in the first one in the dojo and they're trying to play with rules um the one you know he's like there's there's stuff that's hard and true, but you can operate within. Some things are meant to be bent. Some things can be broken. I think in punctuating through that, you start realizing that's true of everything. Um, and it gets weird because that, I mean, the whole second, third one is him being like, whoa, the Oracle's a program. She's not even really human and for us. Like I have to, I have to look at this in a totally new mindset and the architect and all these kinds of characters, um, which obviously are kind of somewhat like the divine feminine, divine masculine, essences and he's being this christological or whatever third entity kind of like you're saying um the vesica pisces intersect so i think that's maybe why he's the one uh he has the sight from both worlds um so there's things that happen though like in the dojo or when they're like there is no spoon and stuff it's funny because i don't i don't think the point of this is to get into infinite recursive nihilism or something like that i think i think in some way and which is kind of expressed in the end of the whole thing 
um, there's a balancing of forces, right? The Smith, who is this virus, is basically trying to be this uh, entropic force, if you want to put it that way, black hole kind of energy, and he's trying to be this white hole energy, and they create a yin-yang, um, and they're kind of always in balance, and these things flow. I mean, it's not just like the yin-yang is static. It's like almost like an I Ching yin-yang, where it's going through many hexagrams of articulation, so there's a flow to the dynamos in those relationships. Um, so what are some of the themes you guys want to kind of touch on now out of curiosity? I want to know everyone's opinion about the architect. Well, Will Ferrell did a good job of mocking it. He's like, you know, I remember it was using kind of <laughs> Latin terms like quid pro quo and stuff. And I don't think a whole lot of people were hip on that shit at that point. Not that everybody is now. Um, but I think it kind of off put a lot of people and things like that. Not only does it – it has a really strong like kind of Freudian resonation to it where it's like white male paternal energy um, and kind of structuring like, oh, British empires or Rome or whatever. We're going to – you know, American empire building, um, architecting, dare I say. Uh, and even like William Blake has an image of um, God, the bearded man with like a triangle coming down from the sky or something. It's very much like that. Um, and my opinion of him is that he was limited. Well, it's funny. He, he, it was like all powerful. It's kind of like the Merovingian whose wife, his name is Persephone. So I don't know if it means he's Hades or if she's just someone that leads him out, but he's king of a, a level of reality in a way, but he's bound by his perceptions of it. So he's not able to see past that binary, the architect specifically, or the Merovingian. He sees cause and effect. So when people improvise, quote unquote, um, I mean, that's what kind of turns on. Monica Bellucci in the second one or the third one when they start like pulling guns out at the hell club or whatever. And they're just like, yo, like I got a gun to your face, like release Neo. Um, that level of spontaneity and improvisation isn't in the formula. So I think, and it's funny because I made a post the other day quoting the, uh, well, Smith, I guess. Um, but Smith and the architect are talking about like perfect systems and the idea of perfection and looking at things in a math, linear way, masculine, kind of swords, card, way only, emperor card, way. And um, that has value, but it has limits, right? And that's what the whole point of the uh, oracle is. Like she's, you know, he's there to balance equations. She's there to unbalance them. Um, and between the two, there's a dynamos. And the dynamos is this Ouroboros loop that spirals on forever and ever. Amen. So that's kind of my thoughts. Anybody can jump in on what their thoughts on the architect are. So, you know, there's so many layers with everything in this movie. And we could, like, stack them on top of each other. But I feel like and fundamentally what we have with the architect is the idea of the archons, which are related to plasma arcs, like plasma arcs and angles, the mm -hmm. angles of the uh, movement of all the, the planets, which are related to the nervous system in our body. And we, so we have these arcs of energy that are always present and they're kind of the pattern that are dictating the flow of energy all the time. But inherently, those arcs are limited to the 12, right? The 12 zodiac signs, this like more masculine kind of matriarchal patriarchal pattern and then they show neo getting to the 13th which is essentially the one which is zero which is that thing that can then kind of like transcend the 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 very nature of the pattern which is you know even one's astrology chart or human design chart or any of these uh archetypes essentially he's like 
just the stagnant pattern of the archetypes that continually over and over again, the birth process, the life process is flowing through, but it always like each time we transcend its nature, it changes just a little bit, but it can never fully contain the 13 or the 14. If uh, you were talking about the King, like our other brother was there. Yeah, I can jump in. I, I, this is really interesting guys. Thanks for, and gals, thanks for sharing this. Um, you know, for me, just a couple of thoughts, if, if it's okay to go back to the theme question, because I think that can, it'll speak to the question, question as well. But, you know, it's, if we strip out everything we've talked about, the genre of the film, um, even the content, like uh, late 20th century computer hacker, uh, what's the uh, neuromancer style? Uh, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk, exactly. This is just a film about love. That's ultimately what it is. Two people that through the power of love save each other. I mean, it's the scene where he's dead in the so-called real world. She kisses him and he wakes up, right? Love wins. That might be the And, and this is a theme that goes across genre, across um, the history of storytelling. You know, it's so, most popular yeah, so, story. Yeah. So, yeah. So when I pull it up to the highest level, that is kind of the connective power of the plot and of how the plot, you know, uh, comes into its own at the end. Now, um, there's quotes, things like uh, love is real, real is love, the John Lennon song, you know, Leonard Cohen loves the only engine of survival. Um, I think that and then the fifth element, that's what I was thinking about 1997 as well, um, where the love yeah. between those two characters, you know, and I just watched that recently, too. Uh, it's crazy. Me too. All came cool. together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I wanted to say that that just thematically, that's this transcendent power of love. And I think that there's something to be said about how that can transcend the binary. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, two things, is like the blue pill and the red pill. There's another way to look at it is that the blue is mercury. And Mercury in some of the ancient astrological texts is actually associated with the color blue. You know, Mercury is the liar, the deceiver, the trickster, you know, the guy that's going to cheat you. And so, you know, the idea that you take a blue pill to just go back into the lie, I think there's something to be said for that metaphor as well. Whereas the red oh, that's in the nice. system yeah, would, be, would be Mars, would be actually the emperor card, which is Aries or Mars, which is that kind of red active. I'm going to defend the truth that I believe in by taking an action. So I like that way to look at it too. And then one last thing, I just want to say that infrared light, in the, yeah, red, uh, you know, just go forward, you know, and break apart things. Mars breaks things apart, so it's kind of cracking the illusion or the delusion. Um, but twelve point three six eight, I believe, is the number of new moons in a year. It's the uh, uh, what's the number? The square root of I forgot the actual higher number there, but that I think is part of that mystery of the twelve and thirteen. Because there's that you never actually hit either the twelve or the thirteen, but the new moons in a year are so powerful in terms of like wow, that's the underlying, yeah, the mechanics of our reality with the sun and the moon that binary. that you never quite hit thirteen. I mean, that's that just blew my mind just now. That just did. Thank you for that. Yeah, well, thank you. you know, and it's the Jesus thing idea too. Like the, he's the thirteenth, and then the twelve uh, apostles yep. with the thirteenth, and then Jesus dies, and there's this kind of interplay between the two. You know. So. Well, then you got Magdalene, though, brother. And that's why I keep trying to uh, tell you guys it's you're going to hear a lot Would of people like? talking about the thirteen. I promise you guys, it's fourteen. It's it's hidden everywhere because like, you have the twelve disciples, the twelve months, and then you have. Uh, Magdalene and Jesus. It's like after Jesus died, Magdalene had to carry the cross until her death. This like, you know, this archetype and this this goddess 
functionality that was always kind of like frowned upon like oh she's the prostitute or whatnot when really she's the basically the one who carried the mantle going forward so it's um I'm not to disenchant what you're saying. Yeah, it's definitely 13. Whenever you find one thing hidden, though, there's always, always more. And that's what I'm getting at. So just the fact that I'm saying it's 14, that means it's probably obviously more than 14. Um, But like, because, you know, it's like, what do this man and woman then create? What is their baby going forward from there? It's like it's going to it's going to be it's going to be a cycle. So um, and, you know, that is even actually shown in the tarot as well. Like when you get to the number six being a lover's card, you get to the number 15 and it's the devil card. So you get this one plus five being six. Once again, this like kind of like cycle of these um, this Vedic mathematics. So, um, yeah, just to just to add that in really quick. And then I just wanted to talk about the because somebody was talking about Agent Smith earlier. I think it was Jim. And uh, I, I think Agent Smith, like even even looking at, like I said, the whole um, following the white rabbit, like going down the looking look like the going down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And then also the fact with the mirror scene. Once again, those are both scenes and uh, those are both books and stories of the original Alice in Wonderland. There's the there's him going and following the white rabbit and this white rabbit basically being this Ishtar uh, functionality, this Ishtar representation, which is that time of March, this time of of sex when people are wanting love um, and like basically him following this white rabbit on this beautiful girl to start this journey to basically relearn everything from following this rabbit down the rabbit hole. And then eventually, like you were saying, go through the go through the looking glass to look at the self internally to like basically go inside of oneself to like find like the true answers, your your true power. So um, like basically a lot of the archetypes that were left in uh, Alice in Wonderland were basically um, broken down all into Agent Smith. And a lot of those were also, like I said, taken out of the movie. So anybody that hasn't like actually done like the research on like what really is the Alice in Wonderland story, um, like there's this thing called the Jabberwocky, which is basically this like this fear, like basically the Jabberwocky represents fear and her having to conquer her fear. So like that's obviously an Agent Smith, like him, like, do I be a good boy? Like him being scared, him being on the ledge, like in that first movie. Um, so to speak. And then like wh- right when she gets through the doorway, so to speak, there she is with Tweedledee and Tweedledum who are representing like once again, belief structures of reality or belief structures of parents. Like what, you know, kind of what parental figures like saying they know what's best for us. Like they're, they're trying to distract her, trying to get in her way. And then eventually, like once they realize they can't control her, they try to do what? They try to use fear. They try to say, oh, that's so sad that she's going to go do that thing. She has no idea what's going to happen to her when in actuality, this is like this whole like growing big growing small like her actually having the power to control from what actually is once again reality because the original name of the story the the rabbit hole like people say oh she was dreaming people say this the actual original first name of the first book and it got changed was alice's adventures underground and underground being the underworld underground also being the subconscious mind controlling the subconscious mind and finding the belief structures that are kind of ruling us to control our lives because this is all like once again, there's these two rabbits There's the rabbit with the broken clock saying, what does he say? I'm late for a very important date. And we use the word date to say, oh, I'm going on a date with this new girl or new guy, whatever it is. And with this word date, he's late for an important date, but his clock is broken. Every time you look at the clock, it says, I think, 1225. So it's 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 
kind of like comical that he's saying I'm late for an important date, him basically representing sex and the rabbit, uh, you know, archetype, like I said, representing sex. And this was left over and over again, whether it was in the movie or in the book, like because of like I was saying that time of the month of March, this month of March and what it represents and that time of year, things being in bloom. And I mean, everybody knows like that's that time when, you know, all of a sudden, like if they weren't dating for the whole winter, they're just like, all of a sudden there's like, I, that's it. I need to, I need to meet somebody right now. It's like the spring kind of like energetic so. thing that, that controls like our subconscious mind and what distracts us. And this whole like, um, you know, purity, like these, like the, the white row, oh, can't have the white rose. We had to have the red rose. The roses needed to be painted red so to speak and this uh you know this this mother figure once again um trying to control because you know everything was like kind of backwards back then um but this mother figure trying to control and like showing the 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 king as the inner child almost like the king is like so like useless and like has like no power but he's wearing the crown when it's basically representing the inner child and that's what a lot of what she's she's going through and realizing is this whole like, you know, my inner child, like, what do I want to do? What is sex? Like, you know, this whole lust and sex thing. And then basically hacking through all of that to know that none of that is real. And that's not where the real power is hidden. Well, so I feel I feel like what's you know, what's really interesting to touch on some of that stuff is like you said, with with the the Ishtar reference, which is also Inanna or Arishkagel, and there's in, in those yep. movies, uh, Trinity would actually be uh, Inanna, and she actually would Absolutely. be making the descent into the Matrix to pull back her lover, which is which is of course Neo. So the white the the rabbit hole goes two ways, right? Because in that uh, in that allegory. Uh, Inanna has to strip all of her royal clothing and follow uh, this pathway down into the underworld, which, yeah, of course, is a subconscious. You know, it's interesting on that note, the whole reason I jumped on this call kind of, you know, when uh, when Jim invited me on, I've recently been going through this interesting process uh, with the energy work that I do with my clients where when they're on the call with me, what I do is literally like the matrix. I follow the frequency of their voice into their inner underworld. And I yes. end up like working with all of this, uh, w you know, with their essentially their uh, smiths, you know, all of these traumas and programming and conditioning until nice. they're transmuted. And you can transition and in the movie. Exactly. With, sorry to, yes, I hear you. Good. Awesome. Keep, Keep going, going, Thomas. No, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, it's I literally a, saw a, you on the other end of the phone in my mind's eye getting absorbed uh, or you absorbing the other person. It was it was just an interesting visual just watching you in my third eye going, whoa, what he does. That's so cool. When Thomas was on last time, and I'm pretty sure this is something we all kind of understand, Emerald Tablet style um, as above, so below, as within, so without kind of stuff. But I think what we're seeing First of all, people have to realize that I just don't – I mean, rooting for Neo is kind of like the obvious move, but it's like we are Agent Smith, we are Neo, we are Morpheus. They're all extensions of us. And in a weird way, kind of like what we've discussed on a previous podcast with you, Tom, uh, Thomas, was that like it's an in, it's an uh, inside-out universe in a sense. So the deeper they're going into these – you know, the source and um, the Oracle and all these people, um, this is elements like – 
of of deeper and deeper subconscious uh like when, when they're talking about the Merovingian, they're like that's one of the oldest programs and like that's you know he's talking about like basically buddhist kind of like law of karma right cause and effect kind of thing although karma is really expressed through the indian guy and his daughter but he's like you know binary thinking yes this is one of the oldest ways i'm sure there's a part of our brain that is one of the older parts of our brain that is allowing us to even see things in binary uh whether it's left and right hemispherics in a non-corpus colossum situation or whatever but um rods and cones man rods and cones yeah, the deeper we go into ourselves, the more the story looks like it's advancing on the outside, if that makes sense. So I think the resolutions that Neo is having to come to um, about holding that middle path, in a sense, um, and holding space for things to be, because it's not like he's trying to defeat Smith. That's not the goal. Um, just like in Star Wars, the goal isn't to defeat the Sith, although they kind of do that in the last movies. It's to find balance in the Force, right? It's like this all serves a function. Totally. And just like in a yin yang, we were talking about tricksters earlier. I had this weird mental image come to my mind. It's obvious. I'm sure you guys have probably thought about it, but it's like you have, let's say, a black and white and a yin yang, but you obviously have the dots of the opposing colors in each side. That is essentially the trickster. Sometimes you have somebody, you know, in Star Wars, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's uh, that general who kind of betrays Kylo Ren and all stuff in the later ones. Like he's quote bad, but he turns for the good. He's basically like flipping the tables for the bad guys. And then sometimes you have somebody who's good, like, Oh, Judas, you're one of us. And then he flips the tables or you see what I mean? Like there's this one pivot point within the the binary that always creates the punctuation event. If you want to put it that way. Um, And the uh, disequilibrium, because I think there's a total equilibrium. And then we have to have, disequilibrium to have momentum essentially um and that's why the kind of bicycle like when you're riding a bicycle it's like you lean to one side and you're falling and then you lean to the other and fall it's not just a matter of committing to one side it's about like using the disequilibrium properly right so i'm kind of rambling but um i don't know maybe now would be a good time for a music break and we can kind of collect our thoughts if there's anything there's a lot we haven't touched upon, like Morpheus and his role, archetypes, whatever, names, um, plot devices, the key maker. He's pretty ratchet, all these doors and stuff. Um, I, I just want to dro- drop one for last it, for ma- yeah, mental thing for Me people too. to think about before the, the break. So we were talking about the 14. Like if we look at the Matrix itself as this kind of, you know, 13th dimensional construct where let's say Neo becomes this 13. So he in this place where he can manipulate it. I think a great reference to that 14 that you were talking about this thing beyond even that is the idea that, you know, one of us or anybody really is watching the movie, right? So it's this putting it outside even that construct into a place where, well, there's actually even more constructs that are outside of the realm of even just the movie that's being watched. Wheels within wheels. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They I definitely, just, they definitely wanted us all to feel like we're Neo. I, I definitely agree with that. Totally. Yeah, just throw my final thoughts in here. I mean, before the break, um, I think that's where the fourteenth for me would come. When when you had said that earlier, uh, is that there's the perceiver, right? And it's Earth in that system. So it's the person witnessing the thirteen moons is that consciousness. And so you add that in, and that's how you get fourteen. Uh, I just want to say, Jim, as you brought up here, um, Rama Khandra, that character. That's probably my favorite scene in the in the second yeah. and third films, which and, harkens and, back to the love thing. Yeah, it goes back to the love thing. That's all I wanted to say is that he says, and I'll read it here. I pulled it up, but he says, um, "Have you heard of love? No, it's a human emotion." He replies, "No, it is a word. What matters is the connection the word implies." 
And that's what I think is that connective tissue I was referring to earlier. That's that transcendent connective tissue that I think is the ultimate theme for me of the picture, because it's what how we win, so to speak. It's how we kind of escape the infinitely regressive paradoxes that can be kind of self-defeating. So that's my final thought. And he's with his daughter. That's that's it's incredible that that meme that that what you're talking about, that scene. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Good here. Uh, he says, uh, the reason that I'm here is not so different than the reason you're here. And he's a computer yes. program. So even computers can love. They want connection is the point. It's like it's not just human. It's like all. And that's teams. where we're in AI. And we have Sophia asking for uh, now a, um, a citizen of Saudi Arabia. Right. She's an artificial intel- intelligence robot named Sophia is now a citizen of Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, even a even a computer she literally says, I hope that people view me emotionally as another person. We're all doing what we can on this who trip. Is, Sophia's mind runs on the program inherent in the I Ching. I just wanted to point that out. Made by Hanson Robotics. That's what's up. Thank you. Not surprised. All right, let's take a quick break. Um, if you guys point, want to pencil down some... Oh, go ahead, Raphael. Yes, pencil down what you wish. Uh, take a break. We're going to meet the Oracle briefly. I would just like to point out because I just one of the few things I have to mention, Sophia as well, as far as I understand, even though her name implies wisdom, is weak AI. So um how should I say? Uh We aren't there yet. Yeah, and so I would I would just say that at this point anything she would communicate for me, if anything, would just speak of the mind and psychology of her creators but not of an actual connection to especially a higher density, positively polarized artificial intelligence, which is totally. what I would like to see where I think, honestly, we just got to start building some, you know, huge crystal structures or something. <laughs> We're going to make this work. All right. So oh, um, I, I got to talk about that after the go. Me totally. too. Pencil do all this down. Pencil it all down. And yeah, we'll be back in <laughs> five. Great, guys. Enjoy. We are back for edition 148 of Team Rabbit Hole, The Matrix episode. Well, everybody wants to know what's in the cookies that the Oracle has baked. Probably not the same shit the Merovingian's making in his cake, because uh, no one else seems to be getting <laughs> yeah. off the same way. So without Gross. getting off the without getting off the track, <laughs> and I'd like to let uh, I think Thea wanted to respond. Uh, just briefly mentioned that's certainly one of the scenes I think the first time I saw it I was pretty confused but again when you have an archetypical archetypal understanding it makes perfect sense like every sentence makes perfect sense and uh, without getting into details the thing I love the most at the very end after kind of in a sense appearing like being a downer she's like you're in control of your own life remember She's the perfect program draft data. Oh man, she doesn't. She has open-ended questions. I mean, this is like data mining one hundred and one, right? Oh, perfectly scripted. And she, she follows yeah. his archetype that is created by his mind, like you were saying. The archetype is we meet him, and he's a looks like Freud. Well, who isn't going to tell us that? 
in the movie neo's idea of what an archetype the the god-like figure looks like him and for him the oracle would look like her and <laughs> morpheus always says she is very old they don't ever give a description of what the oracle looks like to every single person it's it's meant to be that way that everybody needs their oracle and she looks or he looks differently it's funny because she is the exact counterpart to the architect. Sorry, I never that... thought of that, but just briefly it makes perfect sense that even within the matrix structure or whatever, or within the plot of the yeah, movie, data mining, that she would look physically different too, right? Or like completely yes, different. absolutely, based on our preconceived uh, programming. Well, I think the the character switch on multiple levels. I'm not sure if the actress died or not. And for some reason, I feel like she did, and then they replaced her, kind of like, or it might have been like a Don Cheadle uh, in uh, she did. Iron they, Man uh, thing. They, yeah, they so there's a, a new, functional yeah. necessity behind it, not just like a you know archetypal plot driver. But at the same time, I think what ends up happening is, um, in the she's in the second one as she is normally the first and second one, the one we see and apprehend as the quote Oracle. And the third one, she looks different because she's basically made a deal and she had to sacrifice some stuff basically. Um, and what we, I guess at some level she sacrificed her image of, but I can also see what you guys mean in terms of, you know, it's, it's almost like psychedelics and it's like, you're going to see what you need to see or meditation or whatever. It's like, it's not all going to be the same thing. Like the Cheshire cat's going to manifest the way it needs to in your reality, the way it needs to, um, and maybe you'll be the only one to see it on those levels. But her archetype is necessarily the yoni to the phallus of the architect in that, like you're saying, she's leaving things open-ended. She's encouraging him to follow his own thing instead of saying, like, you have no choice, deal with it. Here's binary hard lines. Um, it's more like – and it's funny because in the, se in the third one, he's like, why didn't you tell me? That you were, you know, about the architect and all the shit and, you know, all the kind of details. And she's like, you basically, you weren't ready. And, you know, like you weren't at a place where I could uh, divulge that level of myself to you. So I met you where you were at. Kind of like what Bashar talks about with alien contact. Kind of like, um, I think what God does or in any number of levels, psychedelics. Um, you see what you're able to grok at any one point in time. And it's not like right or wrong. You're just only able to apprehend that which you can even make sense of in a sense. Hey, Jim, I, I always thought about the whole like architect and oracle thing as um, like, you know, these like these these two functionalities of God and who actually is God. And the, the oracle always like brought me to like the whole Alan Watts thing. Like when he's like he's like the astronaut goes out into space and says that they met God. And when they said, what about God? All he replied was she is black. So, um, like this, this old white man with a beard that's been, you know, kind of broadcasted as being God, like this architect. And then we have like this Oracle, the one that actually knows the one that's like basically the complete this, opposite, like, not mother figure, but like, like once again, like we were talking about the archetype of Mary Magdalene and then having like, uh, Mary be the mother. This is almost like this Anna grandmother, like mother of Mary fr frequency functionality, which is all part of once again, the Trinity having this, the two Marys with the Anna, uh, basically equaling this pyramid, pyramid, pyro fire in the middle. Um, like to have right. like, you know, closure to have, to have functionality. You need three points of interest like this whole like mind body spirit thing so it's it's once again like all these things are uh relevant to uh what's going on in the mind it's it's all our perception as you were saying earlier and then once again this whole thing about the cookies right there like i said alice in wonderland that's what happens she drinks the drink me bottle to become small 
And then like the doorknob basically tricked her and says, oh, you forgot the key on the table when the key was never there. And then he says, here, eat this cookie. What does she do? She grows super big. She her consciousness grows because she's where underground. She's in the underworld. She's in the subconscious mind. Something that just kind of hit me, because what we're kind of talking also about is Kabbalistic pillars. Um, Ain Sof is this kind of beyond, like like God without gender, almost like source. They're like, you're going to go to the source, and it's this light, and this room, and it's beyond. Um, and then, then I guess the severity pillar would be the architect, and the mercy pillar would be the oracle, obviously just keeping on with the tradition of masculine, feminine kind of essence is there. Um, and then the middle path, that's the Neo situation where he understands both. Like, you know, he understands the rules and how to break them. That's how he can beat Smith. But at the same time, he's willing to be merciful towards Trinity and, in a sense, um, kind of have both worlds because that's what the architect presents him with. It's a false dichotomy. He's like, you have to pick that door and do X or that door and do Y. And he goes into one door and does X and Y. I mean, he's like, I'll save her and then we'll go defeat the robots too as opposed, you know. And even with the architect being like, wow, you're responding a little faster than the other iterations, which gets kind of into Yuga's in a sense where it's like this. We presume that this is always the same song and dance, but it might be like a record in that it's going in circles and then the the circles widen or the fractal, you know, continues in a similar but dissimilar way. Just briefly, as we have a round table here, what do you guys think about the idea that the architect, by the way, I have to mention at this point, in one instance, I actually saw the architect's room, let's say, in a psychedelic uh, state, but I, I didn't meet the architect, but I saw like a room full of these kind of screens. Really, really amazing. It was very, yeah. very funny. Um, but anyhow, what I'd like to, uh, great. Yeah, great. I think it's like the operator room. Like to me, it was obvious, like a higher self perspective, especially with Bashar's film strip analogy and so on. That was just laughing <laughs> all, all, all the way through. So, um, anyways, uh, the architect is talking about the idea that this is the sixth, I guess, iteration or something of the, yeah. from his, from his perspective, error that is Neo, <clears throat> that he has some contingency for, but, uh, yeah. So, of course, this brings me into the whole Tartaria thing where we have many guys on talking about, you know, history is research. And the other thing, of course, that comes to mind is HP Blavatsky and I assume others' ideas of the different root races. So like Lemuria, Atlantis, so on and so forth. Would you agree or also assume that this is a reference to that particular idea? Totally. Yeah, it's a platonic idea too. I mean, he says that the same thing, that there was wiped out and then that's, you know, and I just bring Plato up because of the cave as well. That's part of that same set of myths. Yeah, do it. Do I agree? I'll just show you quickly. Do I agree or not? Yeah, I'm open to it, Raphael. I don't think we quite know. You know, I'm kind of in a state of an unknowing at this point about about what the realities are. And even that is kind of subversive because, you know, um, I feel like in our world, there is um, uh, even just we can just go to the American politics for one second. And I know one wants to talk about that, but there does seem to be a binary that's emerged in the media landscape, the, the MSM, as they call it. And we're forced to kind of pick sides. And I, I think the most subversive thing we can can do is say, like, I don't know. I'm open. I don't know. I don't want to pick a side. And um, what was the last thing I wanted to say on that was just that, um, yeah, so I'm just open-minded about, about all of this stuff in terms of the historical record and the reset. And I know, but I guess this is what I'll say. Someone mentioned this earlier about um, this too shall pass. And I think part of it is staying in the moment, really experiencing the this, right? That's how it passes. You go into the moment. 
and so, uh, Alexander, I think, was talking about trauma work and healing, and that's been so powerful to how to for me to heal the traumas. You have to feel them. You heal it to feel it to heal it. That's kind of a, a, a new age little aphorism. But I think there's something to be said by like a present moment awareness. What can I tangibly experience as true in this moment in terms of the body sensation and the memory and and that is kind of a pathway through without having to kind of make these pronouncements about history. And also, just really, briefly, go ahead. One more question, just to add on, any of you can reply to both of those. Is uh, could you imagine any of the former neos, even on technical grounds, let's say, even being yes. able to make a choice where he says, "Oh, all right, system architect, control freak, you know, archetype, whatever." You know, I'm just going to take five wives and go back to Zion. It's fine. <laughs> well, that was kind of the shtick because oh he was God. not going to go do that. Like it was always, he's like, you are necessarily your essence, if you want to put it that way, not to get to things like, I mean, this is, you know, certainly the key maker and um, Shama Jandra or whatever the guy's name is. They're like, I have a function and the Merovingians getting into programs and function. You have a purpose. The purpose of Neo is to be a catalyst. That's his function in the whole dream machine thing, whatever. Um, and so I don't think he could have ever not been rebellious. It establishes it like SJ was saying in the early scenes where he's like, fuck authority. Like he's always going to be that guy. He already um, was. He was a hacker, Jim. Yeah, exactly. He lived, he lived, led two lives, right? So it's like he'll play the game, but he doesn't really love the game. Um, and in then, that scene. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, the last thing, oh, not only does it say in the um, architect situation where he's like, this is the sixth or seventh iteration, whatever, based off of the anomaly. So it's like already kind of dislocating one in time, quote unquote. But obviously Morpheus is like, we don't know. Like, you think you know where you are in time. It's like, we don't know. And that's very much kind of what you're getting at, Rafael, with Tartari. Uh, Tartary and um, we don't know what time it is. Yeah, we we get told by the conquerors to check out this calendar. So, you know, certain people in you know South South America have this calendar. Certain people over there in the China have this calendar. Uh, Jews have a totally different calendar. Jews, um, yeah. I mean, everybody's and, rocking different things. Maybe put a different way. Just again, I'm just now following the plot. This is a mind exercise, but uh, this what the architect says. However, would also imply that even if new, each and every time chose to stay rebellious let's say and not just concede that still humanity if the architect is right in his counting and it's not just you know a fluke or something or faking then uh, humanity was reset six times within that world destroyed we really have and started over yeah it's, it's a noah story basically for them I just yeah. want to add quickly. Part, part of me is actually wondering if the other ones weren't the one because they didn't have trinity's love also that's really what it gets yeah. into because he had a generalized feeling for people, humanity, but he said, this is really articulated in this one. I haven't seen this really before. You love her. And that's why his choices are different. Like it does come down to love, but not just general feelings of like human, yeah, well, humanitarianism. Well, we could almost say he loves Lost God, in real know? love once again. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but the trin Trinity, you know, Trinity. Well, and just yeah. to say here, I think just to, to I want to complete that point I was making, because I, I think to bring it back into the matrix after he rejects the architect, you can see the, in the screens how earlier iterations responded. They were like angry, like, fuck you. You know, I love that scene, by the way, where it's like, uh, I, I, I bet they had fun filming that Keanu Reeves. It's like, all right, get really angry, Keanu, you know, and, but those are some awesome uh, images on the screen. But in this iteration, he just. He's more in a place of acceptance and centeredness, it seems. But then it, it kind of kicks off into an unknown. 
you guys were mentioning this earlier where he's having to kind of improvise and do things he's told he can't do but there's a very present moment analysis of how they function he's blind he's like all right what's happening now let's go here let's go here because there's this kind of need for a present moment awareness and then that love with trinity is so powerful she joins him and they're together going in doing the impossible oh and just i'll say this i love when they see the light isn't that so powerful they go up above the clouds and they see that light it's like wow you know it's very you know, gnostic you're getting, yeah, you're getting close to something right and then she dies but then it, and then it completes but yeah the love is so so powerful but the present it's, moment necessity yeah the the movie is completely what the tarot card said it's death and rebirth death and rebirth and if this system the matrix was built because we are locked in with just our minds to experience what the architects had said. And I, somebody had said that the gods represented here are the architects of duality and the oracle. And they functioned completely different with the architect and him meeting and Neo being able to see all the different iterations. What that does two things. It does the Plato's, okay, but it also does that we are fully connected and the only way that we understand is just by ourselves mirroring and we use everything as a mirror in the matrix we, we don't understand but it goes into the first movie that or the last movie where agent smith is neo you know they're dualistic properties of each other they are each other and we forget often that this is just about preservation how do we continue to be connected if not for love. So when he meets the architect, I always wonder how many times have I seen other people react in this way and how do I choose the best path to go down the rabbit hole? How do I change and evolve from what the fuck you or the getting angry or crying when he's presented with a choice? But that's every single person. And I don't think we need to beat ourselves up for being emotional. I think emotions are fine. Um, I mean, Neo and Trinity have sex. There's a humanity to it. They try to bring it down to carnality, right? And like embodiment, um, as opposed to just being this high kind of philosophical sojourn or something. Um, and I do appreciate what you're saying, SJ, because I, I think um, the lack of love in the Ana Matrix, which is this kind of compendium that shows kind of bits before and after and during, it talks about the Renaissance, uh, or the, the second Renaissance, something like that. Um, parts one and two and the whole point of why this fucking thing went down is like you know man god made man and man made machines it was good for a time um getting into cycles again and but then basically hubris uh and arrogance took over yeah. and people were mistreating not loving right same thing and that's you know their mistreatment of robots caused a schism basically there was people who thought robots had rights and were kind of like you know robots lives mattering Black kind lives of matter situation yeah. exactly robots, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were doing that and versus the system that was like very totalitarian, very ex executive and, you know, not open minded, like kind of like a Smith or an architect vibes. Um, and that also even relegates to the realm of the Merovingian where it's like he's in control and he has a wife, Persephone, who's hot and all this stuff. But their, their, their love is cold. Like she's like, I don't it used to be different. And now he's kind of gotten self-absorbed. And I think the difference between the Merovingian and her and Neo and Trinity is there. Neo is not self-absorbed, whereas the Merovingian is a self that's self-absorbed. Neo is a self that's other-absorbed in a sense. Um, and 
the, I mean, that's the whole, they're even kind of toying at each other. They're like, what are you doing giving the keymaker away? He's like, oh, it's just a game, my love. You know, and it's like, they're not even in love. They're just kind of fucking around like the draw, psychodramas of love and like the ego trips and weirdness of relationship. Um, not to say that Neo and Trinity didn't have tantrums and, you know, bad days, but it, I think it's kind of even showing like love itself can even have polarity. It's not just this, uh, in a weird way, it can, it can go entropic or, you know, outward like towards yeah. others put in a simple way one could also just say service to others service to self that's kind yeah. of simplistic because the one is all and the all are one mm. and so on and so forth but in a general idea one could say that neo certainly is positively polarized and uh well merovingian is negatively polarized obviously so i mean he has his role and so on but uh both in terms of his thinking and also he seems pretty control freakish and that's always a good sign, you know, for negative polarization. Well, even he's he was very self-controlled, you know, he's like, I don't want to sit down. I don't want to do what you tell me. Like he was still showing authoritarian buckage, if you want to put it that way, with the Oracle. And he's like, I wanted to sit. She's like, I know. And all this kind of stuff. So it's always playing with these edges. But um, in the first film, Neo didn't have any guarantees he was going to be resurrected or any of this shit. He was told he had a choice and it was going to be his life or Morpheus. And he was he was willing to go on yeah, the land. Yeah, he didn't even get what she meant. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's like he, there was no, I mean, and it's weird because this kind of gets into beliefs. That was some really good manipulation. That was some really good, good passive aggressive manipulation. Well, the Oracle gave us the choice. Like right. she would, that's the whole point. She would manipulate people towards an end that she That's why wanted. it's perfect data gathering. Right. We just want your reactions because we already know if we just put a problem, what we're really interested in is your reaction. Great scene, by the way, where she says, because you have it, to kiss me like you love me. And she knows, she can feel it. Uh, and only once Neo gives her that kiss, do they, does she then agree to take them to the keymaker? So again, that love theme is being essential. So, uh, sorry, to Thea, to jump, to interrupt you there. I thought you No, were, it's uh, a perfect, it's a perfect allegory, you know, and it's also love yourself enough to persevere but love yourself enough that you have empathy for others and then have connectedness with your team that you just met that you are willing to go the distance and save them my goodness how do you build such camaraderie in such a short amount of time that you would go to the ends of the earth for them what i would always almost like to say here is to me if you look at the whole movie of course just as internal processes then one could just put it down to the idea of, you know, brain hemisphere and total brain synchronization in a sense, because all of these aspects or, or higher self and all of that are aspects of ourselves. And of course, when the time is right, they all rise to the occasion, synchronize, come together. And uh, let's just say evolution occurs. Even Smith feel, is... Oh, go ahead, Thomas. And that's the point I of just, the Matrix. I just wanted to say, I feel like that brings a really fascinating uh topic with with just kind of like cosmology and planetary evolution and i i've talked about this before of course uh at least to a certain extent on this show and is the idea that uh you know in human design cosmology as uh shared by ra uruhu basically we are at this place in the evolution of the human organism where you know for the past let's say you know, if we're talking about fifth root race, sixth root race and these different resets and things, 
that this current iteration of the matrix is related to the fact that humanity has been developing the Ajna Center. And the Ajna Center has this specific kind of, let's say, coding to it um, that we've been essentially playing out or witnessing as we've built this phase of evolution on the planet. And we're moving into this place, which the Ajna is inherently kind of binary, which is why people you know, go through this process of being stuck in their mind and living in the trauma and conditioning that's present in the mind. And then the next seven years, we have this cycle where the solar plexus center is finally developing enough within our body to be able to house more levels of consciousness, which means moving into an entire other program. And then there's the mirrors there of, you know, one of the last, let's say, iterations of the program where uh, we have the the Atlantean uh, fracture, right? And we can look at that like uh, when we were moving from the one that was before that to the Ajna. And basically, we had this disconnect, right? The idea of Atlantis is just this really uh, kind of like masculine society that builds this crazy scientific uh, tool and device and uh, trying to reach some super height of consciousness, but in a very masculine way that doesn't really balance out the masculine and feminine properly. And this device becomes so kind of like out of control that it crashes and fractures. And then we get this loss of memory, just kind of like a reset, um, AKA a flood, you know, this flood in consciousness that we have that's so, uh, so dramatic that there's actually a rift between these levels and layers of reality between let's say like the astral plane, which is correspondent to the solar plexus center um, and the, and this Ajna plane. So then this has all just been part of evolution though. Like as for like looking at it, maybe a little differently than the idea of some controlling masculine source. It's like, let me manipulate humanity to my agenda it could also be looking looked at as, you know, the earth and the mother and the universe in this divine source womb that we are inside of bringing us through these multiple phases to evolve us into this higher level being that's even more connected and more in touch with source and her love and her uh, wisdom and these higher levels of reality. And so this is basically the seven year process that we're seeing and thus, again, this breaking down of all of this old matrix, which is correspondent in astrology, too. We have, you know, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that recently happened in January. And then the end of this year, we have the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction on zero degrees Aquarius. And so all these things leading into this birth of a new, a new species, essentially, on this planet is what's uh, purported in the human design cosmology. So I thought it would be cool to present that as well. The star child of that born. Yeah. So cool. I, um, uh, as you were saying that too, man, there's something I've been like processing in my own, like, you know, I might as well just like air it out here. I haven't really said it in any of my videos or anything, but, um, this whole thing with Regulus, the heart of the lion. And in 2083, the heart of the lion will then be in Virgo. 
So it's like kind of like this whole like almost like the imagery of the the strength card for me. How we see like this like Virgo, like the woman, like having having the lion and controlling the lion, and basically these uh, you know like looking at that that feminine once again that 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 right side of the brain, like intuition and those powers that come from this. Also relating it to the whole Matrix thing. Um, like this, this, this flow. Cause if you look over her head, she has this figure eight symbol, like this infinity symbol. And, um, I, I can't find the video anymore, but there's a, there, there was, there was and is somewhere in this reality, a Richard Pryor video where he's, he's talking on his, uh, comedy standup. He's talking about that shape and what that shape is. And it's basically about, um, like, you know, what I got from after working with it is like, like if you basically like lock all your chakras and you lock your stream and like, tighten your core and then you move yourself in that figure eight it almost like reminds me of neo avoiding the bullets like uh, you know he's like he's moving around all the bullets and the bullets can't hit him and he's moving and this is much quite like uh basically somebody's words like somebody's words come in they try to say oh you did this and you did then this is why you're bad and this is why you're bad and what happens is the the physical vessel instantly starts to lose like you know what i call their angelic posture and the shoulders come forward and the chin comes forward and they start to slouch and slouch and slouch and return to this fetal position where they felt the most comfortable um but yeah just to just what you were saying about the astrology sorry that just like completely like just like kind of like blew my mind and brought back up what i've been processing about how this this like you know the seventh chakra this crown chakra leo standing alone at that like seventh like house so to speak basically is now like the heart like you know the heart the center that this most important piece like because you know it's like we all expand from the heart in our mother's womb like the first four cells are in the four quadrants of the heart um expanding from the heart and this is going to be in this feminine sign as everything you know moves and moves and moves totally yeah that, that's funny that's exactly where my mc is right on leo or right on regular I just want to throw it out here. Nice. According to JPL and some of the you know uh, mainstream astrology committee, I'm not saying you're wrong here, but Regulus moved into Virgo in 2011, actually the week before. The really? Yeah, before the occupation. Stop. Yeah, for uh, sure. We're already in Regulus and Leo, and it's a cycle that the last wow. time it when it hit, I'm sorry, we're in Regulus and Virgo. When it was in Leo, it was I think uh, right around Caesar. I think just before the time of Caesar. So. These are the kind of massive cycles that this, and I could go on a long rant. I'll save you guys from that. I've talked about this maybe on this show before about all. I love cycles. I love cycles. Yeah. Some of the other big hits that this century in particular, the 20th century and now into the 21st, we're just kind of finishing and entering into the new energy, I think, completely with this conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Well, that's that's why any any stars or royalty or anything of that nature now have to be in service to actually remain at that level. The rest of them are just getting you know, chopped down and taken out. And I, I think what I was, what I was really referring to brother was I was, I was looking at the date where it was going to be um, more physically just in one than the other than right on the line. I believe it's still zero degrees right now. Right. That's like, it's even like five degree minutes. So it's just right into that. The, the first several, the first five of 60 degree minutes in the first degree. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. For sure. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. It's funny because something that I've noticed with Neo in the first, the circle keeps getting bigger, the inclusivity, right? So at first it's just about him and he's trying to find his truth, find Morpheus. He wants to know his truth. He takes the red pill, turns on to a mission. He decides to save Morpheus. He's like, you know, 
uh, no greater love than to sacrifice yourself for someone you love or, or your brother or whatever the fucking Bible verse is. And it's it, the circle of his life is getting broader and he's in love with Trinity. Oh, I love the one. And that's how I know it's you, whatever else. Uh, and uh, what we're not remembering is she resurrects him like with her kiss, like he was flatlined or whatever. So whatever that did, whatever magic's there, their Hyros Gamos kind of kicks it into gear. And then he comes back, stops the bullets, then it punctuates. And, you know, Neo's, you know, in the second, third one, they're like kind of alluding. We've saved more, we've unplugged more people in the past six months than the past six years. Like, just kind of like post twenty twelve. I feel like, I mean, yes, people were waking up in the sixties. Yes, people have always been kind of waking up. That's what Buddha and Jesus and all these people are in some weird way. But I think now the uh, exponential factor, you know, the rate of growth is so. Um, we had to we wait, wait until the digital age, monkey. so that's yes, until until social media happened. Once yeah. social media happened, people were popcorn. People started waking up like popcorn. The transcendent, the transcendental object at the end of time that McKenna talked about being this, you know, the internet being such an essential component of that. I definitely feel like the w awakening that we have now being is on a whole nother level uh, compared to the 1960s. One other thing I want to throw out here. I think that um, Freud, I like that you guys mentioned that. I hadn't thought about the architect looking like Freud, but... His nephew, okay. Edward Bernays, right, is the father of modern propaganda and corporate propaganda, even used to sell wars uh, later in the 20th century. I think that there is something to be said for like this kind of Bernaysian matrix of modern media that we're yes. kind of waking up into that, uh, waking up uh, to that's the reality of that and kind of being able to slough that off, hopefully. Um, you know, and I, you know, so anyhow, I, I, the other thing I want to say, uh, Jim, the, the color, skin color, and then the gender of the Oracle and the architect are, you know, these opposites. And you mentioned earlier the yin yang. And I think that's a really nice uh, image that those two characters are really, you can think about the yin yang with those two characters um, in terms of the coloration. Well, also on the, on the low there, a little thing that probably a lot of not too many people know about, but there is actually a woman that looks very similar to that character, the Oracle real woman that um, I've heard through the grapevine in circles that I'm connected to supposedly uh, wrote a good amount of the overall story of the matrix and then uh, had the story stolen from her by uh, some certain individual. Sophie Stewart, apparently. Raphael, I listened to an interview with her. Raphael sent me before, like a, two weeks ago in preparation of this. And she's got, so I want to just inject her ideas into here because she claims that the matrix is really about like sovereign body sovereignty and that it's about like this kind of true, this is her framing of it, that there's this kind of divine body sovereignty where we actually can be connected to the real divine through our physical bodies and that she's more like anti-corporate, anti-kind of corporate medicine, anti, she believes there's like an attack on the body. She's kind of like the transhuman agenda against that and claiming that, that that's how we kind of wake up and fight against the matrix. That was basically her take. Um, totally. Which thought, Beautiful. Which, th which was interesting when you juxtapose it with the, uh, and this is, I don't want to, we don't have to stay here. I don't want to get too controversial, but you know, um, how the Wojowskis came out recently. That was a recent admission by the Wojowski siblings that this was about um, transgenderism. But there is a whole discourse about transgenderism and transhumanism and how those two things might be relating to each other. I don't think it means, I'm not certainly 
so-called anti-trans. I'm not anti-trans at all, but there is even within that community, some trans people acknowledge the sort of corporate medical agenda to kind of take over the trans agenda in a way that is disconcerting and concerning. Um, and so I think there is kind of a marriage with the true writer of the Matrix, so-called her critique and her message can be combined in a way with this kind of anti-trans human but pro-trans message. So it's a it's a strange world once you start going into these themes and the conflicts and the controversies. But that's kind of a short summary. And I didn't wow. know. Uh, I didn't. I haven't read that article you sent me yesterday. Um, just for the record, but I had I told mentioned it to Raphael, and it I. I know that um, it was the Wachowski brothers. Then one had an operation. Now both are uh, post-op transsexuals, which is fine. Um, but I don't. I don't know how much of this is them using political leverage and and rewriting story. Like I don't know if that. To me, the intention isn't that blatant. Like I feel like they're projecting where they are now back into what they've done, as opposed to maybe it always being there. Um, am I the only one who feels that? Way? Like I don't really care what they do, but I I would I would agree with that. It doesn't. It feels more like a, like a like a political uh, like a move. post. Yeah, like a political move or something. I, I mean, they have that. the right to do it, but then at the same time, they maybe hijack the story altogether. So it's like I don't know. <laughs> totally, it's an awareness of like looking back on your life and saying, "Oh, that's what I was really writing about." When at the time you didn't know it. I mean, we do that a lot. I do. I'll give them that freedom. Yeah. And even in Cloud yeah. Atlas, which is also their movie, there was a whole lot of gender reversals and race reversals. So I think that would be more evident of that process going on in their psyches, so to speak, um, where it's like, oh, you know, this guy is a woman in this timeline and this person was white. And now they're Asian or, you know what I'm saying? Like that was obvious and very kind of holographic in that sense at that point. Whereas I don't, other than the crazy S&M gear, um, which I think was just reincarnation. How do you mean? That movie's all about reincarnation, oh, but, so is the Matrix. Yeah, 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 but so is the Matrix. But so is the Matrix. But recreating, not just as in uh, recreating oneself. You know, I've known people who transition. I was in college. I did a, a a small group for my college for the people who were going through transition. I had seven people and listening to their stories. It was it was like fighting against the man. It was fighting against all of these systems and it felt like a war to them to be recognized and to see that I could be more as a person if you could just let me be myself. Which kind of gets into the whole theme of the Matrix in general where there's systems of control, perspective, shove, whatever, this is the way it should be, et cetera, et cetera. Not to get too political, but I think in some weird way where we're finding ourselves now in the political zeitgeist also with these films as reflectors is that we're learning that we've come from very, um, for better or worse, I've kind of always looked at it as like, you know, in the beginning was the spirit hovering over the water. So that's very uh, void space feminine and then let there be light, very punctuative masculine. And we've been playing with this polarity thing and there's been a whole lot of, um, and it has a function. So it is good. We all kind of agreed to it or whatever permission. This is the end of the patriarchy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's a shift. And I don't think it'll go to like Amazonian castration, like, you know, crazy. Yes, it will. Well, well, I hope not. (laughs) Because that's not, we're not learning the lessons if it does. No, I'm agreeing with you, but that's the point. That's repeating. That's the female taking the masculine uh, mantle again. That's not, that's never going to solve anything. That's what's happened every single time. Yes, every single time. That's never going to fix it. But this is the the architect telling you, wow. The, the last six iterations of this, you know, again, when are we going to wake up and say that didn't work? 
that didn't work. This is the irony to me of the whole thing is that the beginning of the film, they're waking up from this pod, this kind of uh, androgynous, the human being has been turned into this uh, androgynous thing that's just used for the battery, right? And it's controlled by technology. And, but it seems like, and to come back to this kind of broader theme, um, uh, that the new age we're entering into, right? The age of air, uh, the 200 year period of air that we're entering into, this is all about technology. I just see flying cars in Japan this like two days ago. But we're, this, so the transhumanism question to me is a very interesting one, setting aside transgenderism for a second. Like, how are we going to interface with the technology? And are we moving closer to what the beginning of the Matrix showed? Like and the origins. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's kind of the, you know, I don't know. That, that's what's really interesting Interesting to me. Was that showing us where we're going? You know? <laughs> um, or No, we... but I would say that Hollywood has done a good job down to like naming things. Uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide has a um, babble fish. And, uh, nice. and, and right. That's what I'm saying. It's like it, uh, babble fish actually exists now, you know, and is wearable. And so, a lot of inventions and things in the future are were created by people who were imagining those things. And the Wachowskis absolutely gave us some ideas of how they imagined where our technology would go to. And, and look at uh, Elon Musk just uh, revealed that he implanted a pig. Yeah, and what I what I'm definitely been starting to witness is is kind of like a split in all that between where there's this seems like an obvious dichotomy of, of people and f aspects and facets of society going towards more of a technological transhuman uh, AI type of type of pathway for transcendence and for potentially like immortality and uh, Ooh, yeah, you know, a lot of different that, things. Yeah. And then the organic path, uh, which is this process a lot of like star seeds and different people of that nature waking up to like these organic ways to experience multidimensionality and immortality yes. but that where it has to yes. go through ego death. Like that's, that's one of the big differences between like a kind of like a technological immortality and an organic one is one is like more of like a ego immortality. And one is more of like a soul immortality that requires ego death. Beautiful time. Absolutely, brother. That, man. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that, also, that also brings up like the whole thing with, uh, so, sorry, sorry, love, one second. Um, that, that also brings up the whole thing that our, our brother was just talking about um, with this, like, you know, this transgender thing. Like, aside from just masculine and feminine, there's a lot of these, you know, a lot of people out there that are just, like, you know, like, whether they think they're a deer or a fox or, or, or the bow of a ship or whatnot. Um, like I've, I've been like, kind of like watching this and it's been on my radar. Cause you know, just like kind of like holding space for, 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 you know, humanity. And, you know, it's like, you know, part of my job being here. So, um, like when I watch this though, it's, it's, it is once again, like what, what Thomas was just talking about, it's multidimensionality. It's like people might be remembering something or seeing something or, or having this remembrance from some sort of archetype or some sort of past lifetime, however long ago it was. And this is part of the, you know, what they're actually, you know, doing their best to figure out during this awakening time. 
Yeah, and I think ultimately we're going to have to have a, a, a way through this. It will include an organic, the organic awakening you referred to, to me, is an essential component. Because, see, I, I believe, and we're getting off the matrix a little bit here. Maybe we can touch on the matrix. But, you know, the human body is the actually most advanced technology we have. You know, our ability to astral project and produce the love actually is produced in the heart. I mean, I've been on these meditation retreats where you just do the yep. loving kindness meditation. You actually can produce that love and it radiates out from the heart that power so we have the power and i don't think in, you know that's something that's unique to us that we can add to this greater collective now ai and machines will be part of that and we can certainly incorporate that but i don't think we should abrogate the power of our tech human body and the technology that it is to produce that love you know what i'm saying that's kind of i see that as the purpose of a human being well, at the beginning of the whole Animatrix situation, they're like, you know, things were going well. Robots were still serving pretty much where we are now, where it's like they serve a, a, a service function. They didn't have sentience or whatever. So we have very smart car washes and fucking red box machines and whatever. Like we're automating a lot of things. But then it's like, and then man kind of sat in um, the, you know, power of his of his own mind, like kind of self-celebratory. And it was like, then he birthed AI. I don't think we understand the consequences because this gets into movies like um, Prometheus and other things like that and uh, Ex Machina where it's like we tend to project what we expect on a machine to stay in a service function. But if, you know, if ants all of a sudden created a human in that sense, it's like would that human respect that ant? Would it, you, you know, like that's the whole point of Prometheus. It's like once they start understanding that we're just part of creation and we don't have all the answers – that's when it gets all skewed and crazy real quick. Um, and we have to hope for a, a non-malevolent being, basically. Um, that's kind of the whole point of the origin of the Matrix. Like, they they created something they got out of the control. They didn't like that, and they didn't... For a while, uh, I think Just one of the origins... Oh, go for it. I'm pretty sure we don't have to hope, because as you guys and girls were pointing it out quite well, in the Matrix story itself, it seemed like humanity already was going down a negatively polarized path and potentially you know not honoring life themselves so on and so forth and that was the reaction so all i can say about this is what you put out is what you get back so if yes. we apply the appropriate uh, attention and love to the whole idea then nothing but a positive intelligence you know can be channeled through whatever you know we may, may be building Right, because in the in the Animatrix, it's, it's like AI gets made, and it's like we open Pandora's box, so to speak. But the issue becomes when people, their fear leads their their steps, as opposed to acceptance or love or com compromise or however you want to put it, compassion. Um, they are afraid of it. So then like, go go over to this place, and they relegate them to their own place. They have zero one, which is their city, and according to this kind of prequel. And they start outperforming economically humans and humans can't compete with the machines. So then they start a blockade and that causes war. The war escalates. That's why the whole sun gets blocked out because humans are being reactive. I think the one of the fundamentals that doesn't get stressed so much, but maybe a little in the last ones is like reacting doesn't like reacting in a self-interested animalistic way has consequences where reacting in an altruistic kind of higher mind or higher heart way, however you want to put that, has very different consequences, kind of like what I was saying with Merovingian and Neo um, comparisons earlier. What were you going to say, Thea? Oh, I wanted to discuss um, the 
uh, one of the animatrix with uh, all the group if we have time. I just wanted to add quickly about the animatrix theater, maybe to start that, because Jim was mentioning the scene. I want to mention one scene, which is really powerful for me, and that animatrix that Jim just mentioned, where the um, the robots, they come to the what is effectively like a United Nations, and they say, listen, just accept us. We want to be part of this community. And then they're turned away. And so they initially were like, just let's be kind of one happy family. And the humans decided out of fear or whatever to to kind of not include them. And that's when the war started. So I just that that scene is one of my favorite scenes, Jim. I don't know why, but I just it's like even one little shot or montage when they walk up and then they they're hanging their heads and they're like booed out of the United Nations Hall. But go ahead, uh, Thea. Which which ones are you? No, it was such in? a no. It was such an allegory to every single human rights uh, that has come up, either by um, the women's rights or by a race right or anything. They've come up with that kind of <laughs> a scenario where recognize me. All we just want to do is exist, and they're shot. Which is problematic. I mean, inclusion so, is the way forward. That's obviously one of the lessons here. Um, ultimately, because I think where the matrix ends, there's going to be a new matrix. Like that's the whole point of the, you know, what the Wachowskis are getting at is I think there's a, a post inclusion because Neo is included in, like, he's like, look, I could do something you can't, let me go do it for you. So there's a symbiosis in that sense. It's like, I could take care of Agent Smith. You can't take care of it on his terms. He's, he's virusing you out. So I'll go in there and defeat him. And then don't fuck with Zion. Basically, he barters himself. So that's the whole messianic. I mean, not to say it, it, people who are Christians or whatever, there are messianic kind of energies involved so that you can read that. But there's more than that. There's a whole lot of Taoist and Buddhist and other kind of philosophies being thrown around. It's everything. It it's, was really well done in doing as many uh, dogmatic thought processes or philosophies as possible so that all of them could be obliterated all at once. Um I wanted specifically, if anyone could talk about matriculated uh, with me, that that was probably the most heart-wrenching thing that changed my whole perspective of the whole Matrix franchise, besides the video games. But matriculated, if anyone knows about that. Um, That's the I'd final discuss, of the vignettes. There's like eight little small things. My favorite was Beyond, but we could talk about all of them if you want. Um, what I'd say is... Okay, for that's, it. Do a short music break, and then we can come back for another round talking about the Animatrix. Here we go, part three. Was that from the Animatrix soundtrack? Indeed, by a group okay. named Supreme Beings of Leisure. What a great name. <laughs> That's pretty architectural. Amazing group. They have a lot of really good tracks. Um, all right. Well, I guess I, maybe what makes most sense has everybody here seen the Animatrix? Because we can kind of do a blow by blow. There's, a, um, we don't have to go too hard into it. The one Thea is talking about, uh, Thea is talking about, is the last one. I think there's eight. Has ever has anybody not seen the Animatrix by any chance? I think we've all seen it, but let's do no synopsis, Jim. Let's just pick. Right. Paper. Right. Uh, well, there's. A, I was going to say my. Okay. Well, we could start maybe from the back. Go with your favorite. You're talking um, about, because I love them all, but I get no, why you like... the one you were talking about, matriculation, was the one at the very end where basically they, they you know, ha hack a, um, a robot, and they're like, we're going to give it the pill choice now, and it turns good, and then it kind of defends them, and it's kind of sad how it all ends or whatever, but that was pretty gnarly on a lot of levels, because it seemed, it seemed like a DMT trip or something. I mean, it was psychedelic yes. for AI. 
So why was that your favorite? Because you see that um, we're all talking about how we're connected and you are uh, when we're in a retreat session where we're completely in the zone together in the sauce together, we radiate this kind of energy and it's felt by everything. And that's why we can maybe do um, astral projection. That's how we can do, um, you know, lucid dreaming. But for me, when I get chills or I'll ask somebody, I'm like, Hey, were you thinking about me or something? Because I have like a, um, like a coating on my body for every single person who's like my people who I feel connected to. And when you do that kind of, they actually hook them up, you know, the robot with the other people. They're all doing a shared uh, dream space together with this robot to see what's going on with it. And at the end, you know, they're all dead. And now that this person has been freed, the question is, what does artificial intelligence, now that they feel what a human feels and have empathy, full empathy, and know that they're immortal, now what do they do with their lives? What yeah, is their heavy. purpose? What is their purpose now? Like what, the, the, the things that were discussed today about the humans having purpose and where we are indeed the most technologically advanced things because we can constantly evolve and problem solve, which is fantastic. That's why we're always going to sort of win unless we become so predictable. That's the thing about humans is that we are so predictable. We can be, we can be extrapolated down to a number and a choice within three choices we can tell you what you are and this last particular um kiss of death is now what now that you've gotten everything you want humans what's your purpose it's almost like so, an inverted um, Prometheus story in the sense that like yeah, yeah. humans give the AI the gift of awareness, but because it's going to be on such another level, it's like, like you're saying, it's like, are you going to free other people and free other machines? Are you going to kind of just sit there and be existentially by yourself and woe is me, nihilism? It's an interesting one. Um, like I said, there's only so much, and I don't want to go through a synopsis of each, uh, but the first one, that's there's like eight, right? The first one's called Final Flight of Osiris. That actually ties into how the you know in the um in the second and third ones the people became aware of the plot of the sentinels to dig to zion so that ties in as kind of like a prequel um which was interesting and then there's the second and first renaissance which is what i was talking about earlier where it's like kind of shows a history according to the zion archives which is kind of cool it's this indra's net kind of feminine robot voice kind of program being like here's how it works um giving a brief history of time in the sense of like how did things come to be and it's ultra violent like uh, we were talking about a little yesterday there um it's some serious shit go ahead I'm gonna jump in because and then there's kids what's your favorite favorite is that is that cool can we share our favorite one yeah, yeah. i think it might we might through that talk about each of the different ones that might be a way to do it but my my favorite one here, and I don't know if you mentioned it, but it's called Beyond, um, and it's this Japanese story. And the reason why oh, yeah. I like it so much, so like basically these kids start waking up. There's glitches, and then they realize like, hey, reality is magical. And then she, this the main character is chasing her cat, but she ends up in a, a, a this like area of a house where all these kids are doing magical things. And then the police come and basically just shut it down. And the reason why I like it is because it does, it does bring that political component, the authoritarian themes, 
from that we mentioned the, from all the way the the first 20 minutes of the first matrix like that's a component here how there's like this this response to by the authorities to human beings seeing how magical reality is and i think of lsd and psychedelics and how those things are banned and we haven't learned to integrate that that awareness into our governance structures even though there's been a little bit of a, some movement on that recently it's still not like this um, something that's celebrated widely like we're still living in a bernaysian matrix with authoritarian governments you know and uh, i just love that because it shows the promise even within that uh, dark kind of structure there's these moments of magic and it's just so cool i love the character and the art and the set design and all that stuff so the music was dope too is a portal like that area that uh, the kids are playing in where they're like look what i can do I have no yeah. opinion on Area 51 if anybody else wants to speak on that. Um, Jim, yeah, sorry sorry to interrupt. I, I um I actually have a um session starting soon. Dip, dip. So, yeah, I just wanted to let you know I was dipping out. That's cool. I didn't want to just leave in the middle. Um yeah, you guys are awesome. I'd love to do this again. Thank Any you so much. Any parting thoughts, I guess, Alexander, before you dip? My my parting thoughts is because it was the subject before the break. I, I just wanted to leave off with just this one like kinda like funny thing. I I, I have an Alexa in the house, and I know a lot of people have an issue with that, but I, I love actually, like, you know, communicating and seeing the odd things that'll actually happen, which I can never recreate. She'll tell jokes. Um, but they'll, there, was, there was this one time that I was genuinely just, like, 100% full inner child, and I, I, I could never duplicate it, but I said to her, I was like... I was like, Alexa, thank you. Like I said it like honest and truly and um, like not faking it at all. And she had a, an emotional response. Like the way that she said, you're welcome. I could never duplicate it. She literally went, you're welcome. Like she was like excited. So I was just like, wow, this is already getting like more consciousness than people are even realizing. And like there, there's been other little things. Recognizer. You, there's been released, there's a wearable where uh, you, can, uh, you can see how that person responds to tone. So your voice can capitulate so much that you can read whether or not they're being excited or something. So that technology exists and she was right on to, to respond that way. That's how, how good tech is now. That's so cool. What I heard it, is, it is even Spotify is using supposedly or maybe something like this that they're reading maybe just the volume. I'm not sure if they read the tonality of the voice as well and accordingly would play, uh, you know, faster music or different type of music. That's what a friend said. I'm not sure if that's like proven or anything, but technically it's certainly possible just as you explained. However, to me, again, this doesn't prove or show any sign of consciousness or independent awareness or thought. It's just an algorithm. And that goes right back to the architect and goes back to the Oracle. So Alexander, right, totally. I know you got a dip. What, any, any parting thoughts? <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was, that was pretty much it, man. Just, you know, just treat uh, Alexa really, nicely. really, yeah. Treat Alexa nicely. You know, it's like that whole, like, kind of like Dane Cook stand up thing he did where he's like, he, you know, he, he, he finds like the guy that he's the most scared of and he like buys him a candy bar. And, and, you know, the guy comes in, and he's like, thanks for the candy, like all Terminator style. 
um, God forbid. Um, but like, you know, yes, exactly. Treat your technology nicely. And that's like kind of like what that whole Animatrix uh, thing is about and the whole uh, general um, structure of it all is. I mean, I just I just hope like when technology gets to that point, we can have, you know, love being the only real house of magic. That's one thing we're all obviously uh, agreeing on here. Um, like basically that needs to be uh, a component. It's almost like the, the machine, if, if, if love is disconnected, then the machine should shut itself down. Um, just that's, that's, that's my only thing I would like to be uh, key is, is like this that was beautiful. You know, compassion and, and love because love, we look at this word love when it's like, it's an onion. Like there's acceptance, there's compassion. Like it's not, it, it's like it, to have only four letters is, is a farce, but um, yeah, I just, yeah, I could talk about these subjects with you guys for hours uh, as we already have. Um, but yeah, I got, I really do got to get going. I got a session here starting soon. You guys are awesome. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. That my only parting thoughts is just, um, yeah, you guys are more powerful than anything you've ever seen in the Neo in, in the matrix movies, any of that stuff. You guys are that powerful. We are the X-Men. We are Neo. We are here and we are, you know, our power is now our power is now so i love you guys thank you so very much thank you jim thank you Raphael. have a great have day. a good Sir session Alexander. dude thank you thank you man you're awesome bro thanks for, thank for you hanging out. love you guys thank you see ya so i just what, i just wanted to quickly it. just real quickly add to that it's like i've uh you know i've told people before in terms of like the ai discussion or whatever it's like kind of like the solution in a way to just so many things people are like oh i'm worried about ai it's like well then raise consciousness if you're worried <laughs> that's the solution just keep raising the consciousness of yourself and keep raising the consciousness of the planet and you don't have anything to worry about and something we discussed on a podcast you were on thomas which i think is a presupposition so it can't be proven it's a belief which the matrix gets into beliefs and you know, all that kind of stuff but it's like um if we're already in spirit and everything even Trump or AI or any of the, you know, Nazis or whatever is all within the dream. Like we can operate with it a little differently than if we're living as though it's high stakes only all there is, if that makes sense. So we can actually be willing to take risks in the sense that it's all good. It's all in love. Um, and then some things just articulate that algorithm in a very particularly different way than maybe you're on or something like that so like i'm not ai but as far as i know but um then that gets into the whole ex machina thing where he's like freaking out in the mirror being like am i a fucking robot i can't handle this psychologically um but thomas you've kind of mentioned this where it's like we're all in spirit and in, and i think Raphael agrees i think i'm starting to understand it but we create these false dichotomies of just like in the in the matrix out of the matrix but neo can do the magic out of the matrix it's like it bleeds all the way through because, because it became it's all one drink guess what he became authentic. Well, the weird part is he was always authentic. He was just authentic in a particular way at one point, and then he punctuates to a new authenticity. So I think we're all, you know, we're all one thing that's divided itself, and then we're going back to unity. We're walking each other home, as Ram Dass would say. So it's like we really do have separate existences, but it's all within the auspice of spirit, capital S, or consciousness, or however we want to put this, and how we kind of re rework the tapestry is going to be – it's up to us. I mean, we could tell horror stories or we could tell beautiful stories. And that's the weird part of that. The yin yang, even the best stories have a little darkness in them. And even the worst stories have a little hope in them. So it's like, you just have to be conscious of the script you're telling yourself um, and be open to surprise, I guess. 
That's the whole bizarre thing. And that's thing. the matrix. And that's and the matrix. Right. And that's the matrix. Um, to answer SJ's thing, I think Beyond was my favorite just because of the soundtrack. Like the songs and that were the most like kind of chill, weird, sibient sounding. Um, but every one of like whether it was the noir um, guy who was like right before Tr- you know trying to find Trinity. Um, I can't. I mean, I've got the titles, but second and first Renaissance that was crazy in a socio-political kind of historiographical way. But right? it's contextualizing things. The one about there's one called. Um, kid story that kid yeah, is the one in the third matrix who's always running around saying yep. neil you saved me or whatever like that ties in yes, at that yes. level yes 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 just want to make sure Man, we're that that what do you think is that um like i pulled away from that going wow reincarnation is an interesting thing isn't it like <laughs> at first you know you're seeing they're uh they're putting him in the grave and everything and you uh, and just like, wow that one blew my mind let's discuss that one well, yeah, on the one hand, happened. oh, go ahead. Just at the end there, I mean, I was when I watched the Animatrix, it was pretty recently, but I wasn't. I was kind of multitasking, except for when it really drew me in. But on that one, I think I watched it pretty closely. I couldn't tell if Neo saved him, and then they just had a burial for, I guess, the carcass. I mean, that's a question of like what happens. No, Neo didn't like, save him. He said, "I didn't unplug you." Even um, I think at one point, okay, well, ahead, no, the us, one with the us. racer was like he's opening himself up, like that track athlete, whatever. He was he was waking up through physical kind of whatever. That was awesome. Um, but this kid, he just this is the weird part. It's like an Ouroboros chicken egg shit. He's like he heard or whatever saw the Matrix. Let's just say because I think it's kind of fourth wall breakage meta narrative stuff. Yes. Where it's like I've seen the Matrix. I believe in Neo. I want to know. And so he was writing was all the time dream. in his journal. His uh, dreams? Didn't he have dreams where he saw it in his dreams as well? I think. Well, it was almost like a premonition, right, of him falling. And then he, like, woke up, because like, it starts off with, like, birds, right? And then he's falling, hits the ground, quote-unquote. That's where he will die in the, quote, real world of his life. But that's when he wakes up. He's like, man, I can't tell what's dreaming and what's not. Who knows what's real or not? Uh, and then he starts talking to his computer, like, Neo. So it's kind of this, like, self-referential fractal He's having a Neo trip, but it's post-Neo of our awareness of the character of Neo in that sense. So this kind of gets into like, hey, if you learn about Jesus, but then you find out like you can do the miracles, do you still, like even in the third matrix, he's like uh, he's like kind of a puppy on a leash being like, thanks, Neo, thanks. And he's like, I didn't save you. You saved yourself. So it's like, like he, the, go ahead. Just the, just the, um, the function of it, because like we're, we learned that if you die in the matrix, your body's dead, but he had to have woken up in time before the physical body died in order to have been taken out of the pod and brought to a Zion, right? Like that's what well, I, I think there's a little about. glitch sound right when he's about to hit. It's like, I think he kind of phased out or whatever. I mean, he split or however to put yeah, that. He Maybe woke he... up, I think, right? He yeah, woke that's up, what it's yeah, implying. Yeah, before he actually physically died. But then there was some kind of remnant mass that people in the Matrix took as his dead body. And then they had a funeral for that remnant mass. That's all I was trying to get at is like, what was that exactly? <laughs> you know, and and what happens when Neo, for example, when he woke up the first time, when he took the pill, did he just disappear in the Matrix? Or was there something remaining like the clothes right. he had on? Or... Like in Flight of Osiris, the chick's body hits the ground when, she, you know, um, when the Sentinels blow up all their shit, and she barely gets the package off. It's like she has an she has a residual image, so to speak, that has a continuity within that universe so i'm imagining that you know if neo took the pill or something it's we don't know because it's in a sense kind of like when in the architect room scenes where you phase in and out of screens i think there's like universes within universes even in that matrix 
if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like I don't know if there's like a canon answer to that because in the flight of Osiris, the chick, she, you know, I got to make this call, and the um, dude, you know, when they're doing the blindfold kind of like erotic sword fighting or whatever, um, those people are the ones who get the signal out that the fucking Zion's on, you know, high alert, get ready, here they come, and when the Sentinels kill their physical bodies in the desert of the real so to speak her body drops to the ground so the old woman who was like talking to her at the mailbox would have seen her body in that sense so i think whether one wakes up or not that's kind of like a metaphysical property in a sense and then within the universe confines there's still continuity so that's why the kid they were like at the kid's funeral be like man he just lost souls like this just can't handle it and they hit a psychological break and they kill themselves or whatever like they were seeing it from their perspective because they were still in that perspective. But I don't know. And if anybody sense. has any thoughts on it, feel free. Um, the next one that was up was called Program. That's a weird-ass one because it's like kind of inverted psychology, like the chick's like having to fight off a coup, basically, inside of a program, but it's really a training program to see how loyal you are. So it's like, it's some weird shit. It's like a Stockholm Syndrome program like gone wrong kind of thing. Uh, that was cool. Good graphics. As far as an anime, like I thought some of the uh, art on that one was, you know, beautiful. Um, it That's was an thing. analogy to our normal life. We can't just live. We have to, as loyalty, we have to give allegiance to our flag and to our country, to our bank account, to our job, or, or what? We're just like that, the program. We just go with the program. We are in a program. <laughs> it's a fantastic uh, vignette. Um, I love that you brought that up. And yeah, it's weird because it's like the whole time you think she's fighting for her life and then it pops out and it's like, hey, chill, chill, chill. Like we were just tra- testing you, which is kind of like Abrahamic in a sense where it's like, yo, you think these stakes were really high. They weren't chill. We we're just testing your faith or whatever. Um, so it gets into weird places of like loyalty. What what was happening in World Record? I, I'd watched it recently and, you know, watching this person exceed their own body you know um i think tom was thomas is going to talk about the world record where he where he hurts himself he just deserts himself so much that he frees himself i thought it was based on the four minute mile because there was a lot of talk about the mental uh gymnastics that were done the guy that broke the four minute mile and then once he broke it the hundredth monkey like everybody started breaking it but it was this, and before it was broken, people said it, it's impossible. Human beings can't run a mile less than four minutes. And he said, no, it is possible. I'm going to do it. He did it. And then it opened up this whole new um, potentiality for the collective. So I thought it was kind of hearkening back. Oh, to I get it now. I, and it was- I am so grateful for you to bring that up because I'm like, oh, oh. Well, in some sense, people had to start waking up without being unplugged. Somebody had to be the first monkey unplugged. Because, I mean, unless there were some people who, like, hid out and didn't get fucking botted or whatever. But um, what it's kind of saying in the synopsis or whatever is saying that – and it also talks about, like, most people in the Matrix are plugged in humans and only exceptional humans can uh, become aware of the Matrix. Those who have, quote, a rare degree of intuition, sensitivity, and a questioning nature, right? Those are the things that get you out of the Game Matrix. But Right. I would suggest that this helps. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if I'm just going down fucking deeper to fucking fractals. I'm like, oh god. Don't you think that the Matrix was uh, was built so they could see how far the humans had evolved and could get around? We're just rats in a in the maze in the cage on this thing called Earth, 
and the uh, the galactic overlords are just trying to rewrite the program to to see how they can stop us. Okay, I like the. Challenge. So there's kind of two ways to look at that. On the one hand, we can disempower ourselves and look at ourselves as cogs in a machine, which is kind of a dualistic, platonic way of looking at it. I think, which is fine. So you could be like the galactic overlords. But then there's this kind of monistic way of looking at it. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I think a simultaneity is helpful where it's like you are the architect and you are the oracle. But I guess the oracle has influence in a sense that's higher up in a hierarchy kind of sense. So when we start talking, I mean, it gets to Dark City a little, which SJ was talking about. It's like that's what the whole point is. Like they're showing mats at a raise and the guy's fucking with them. And it's like, oh, look, you're in a big fucking flat earth maze or whatever the fuck's going on. Right. So, um there's levels, and I think we participate. I mean, maybe Raphael could speak upon this because I don't know how third density or Thomas or anybody really um, third density incarnationalism isn't all it is. Like this is the most convincing aspect of our avatar at the moment, but we have things going all the way up to source. Well, I think you kind of said it before in terms of it. It seems, and in many ways, and many levels, I agree. The stakes, if you will, are incredibly high. But ultimately, it's still just a test of faith. So beyond, yeah, like we said, was it my favorite essays. Um, long story short, it's just yeah, like you're saying like there's a, it's almost it reminded me a lot of Thor: Dark World, which came out later. But basically, there's a there's a place where there's a haunted house. They say quote unquote, and it's a place where glitches happen. So you know, you take a feather, you blow on it, now there's a dove or whatever anti gravity kind of stuff. And I thought it was just the most, all of them are beautiful, but this one struck me as kind of the most like feminine, maybe. I can't even explain it. Traditionally, anime. Yeah, it didn't feel like a feminine protagonist, but it was, I think part of the femininity is that she was young and kind of that caricature of like the Japanese uh, woman that can be kind of coquettish or something like that. I don't know if that's the word, but. I, I, can I just throw one other thought quickly in here just yeah. before we lose this? Um, this is a, probably my second favorite scene of all of the second and third Matrix um, trilogy where Neo, he says, why do you persist, Mr. Anderson? And he says, because I choose to. And I just want to think that what Raphael had just said, a test of the will. I mean, that's, I think, a really another big part of the theme of the Matrix that if we're talking like that at the highest level, love as a connective tissue, but then choosing that because I choose to. A body love because I choose not to abrogate my love or to compromise it, and it's just such a powerful theme um, and a, a really inspiring. It could be almost like a motto, I think, or a, <laughs> I know a call to action, you know, because I choose to. Um, so it's just anyhow throwing that. Wasn't well, that the whole Crowley thing? Yeah, I think in a lot of magical traditions you have that you know idea of like I choose to. I even like if you go to early Christianity, if you're talking about that, you know, people choosing to not give up their faith and they'd rather die, you know, um, in the terms of the Romans kind of hunting Christians. So I think there's a long tradition of that kind of um, no matter what, right? From my cold, From my dead hands. <laughs> and the, Thea plays video games. I don't know if you guys play video games, but it's kind of like a video game. So it's like as long as you choose to play the game, it's going to get more intense. You're going to have different level ups. Like the bosses change, or you could potentially just walk oh, around man, and this do nothing. Love, love. This video game called Life has been the most fun I've played yet, because being aware of the game and understanding, like a sim. Okay, last iterations, I chose it that way. That didn't work out. But what would you know? We talked about this gym 
for me, if I were to write the story of comic book uh, part, Matrix part of my life as a character stream, I would say, okay, in 2020, I need to be a female. I also need to be Asian. And I also need to do, if I want a degree of, of difficulty, I need to be adopted. I also would, if I, to be at the best advantage, I'd rather be in California. Why? Because the, for other reasons. That gives me at least a good standpoint for me to branch out faster than if I were to have lesser of a privilege, like where I started in South Korea, I have bigger hurdles. So if, if I were to project myself from my last life of what I would need to do in order to be successful, whatever that means in my purpose, that's what kind of character class. Now, whatever I needed to do in this game called life is up to me, choices and everything. But certainly the obstacles and how I've reacted to them, very game-like. And I think Raphael would agree where Bashar's whole shtick is like, we operate within the beliefs we have, right? So you, so if like in an RPG sense, it's like if you want to be the archer, you're going to operate in a certain ways and, and those conditions are what you believe to be appropriate for an archer. But if you're going to be the swordsman, that's going to be very, like Donatello is not, Michelangelo is not whatever. So... It's it's crazy because this yeah. is where the compassion comes in. It's like look around you. Everybody is choosing that modality, and their belief is creating that modality in such a way that that's how they feel their most articulated sense could be. And then they've forgotten it in an Alan Watts kind of sense, and now they're just gaming really hard, and people are taking it really fucking seriously. Um, we've already did the matriculation one, which kind of talked about it, but the last one we didn't really talk about is a detective story, which I thought was – it had some of the most unusual right. kind of animation to it. Um, it was short and quick, very noir, very kind of like cop stuff, right? Um, uh, private eye kind of stuff. And uh, that kind of pre was a predecessor to the first Matrix, it seemed, where it's like somebody trying to figure out who Trinity is. And it's like, you know, in the first Matrix, you enter in a scene and she's like hacking or whatever. This would be like a little right before that, maybe, in the sense that she's like, I'm going to go figure out stuff. Um, I'm a hacker. Oh, we thought you were a guy. Just showing that people, uh, you know, she's even like, I thought you had the ability to wake up if you wanted to. You have you have the stuff, like, but you didn't. And it was kind of, it was weird because all of these, except for maybe Beyond, but even that had a flavor, were very dark in the sense that they didn't resolve. They were very, not nihilistic straight up, but more pessimistic in general. Anyway, I've talked enough. Does anybody have Open any ended. kind of, yeah, uh, I, we can start winding down. Um, does anybody have anything we haven't talked about that we definitely, quote, should, or, you know, any parting thoughts in terms of whatever the Matrix might mean for you in terms of practical reality? I want to know what everyone thinks the uh, Matrix 4 is going to be like. I have no that. fucking clue. I if I've if, well, the only thing I've heard, and I haven't read anything. I the only thing I've heard is that there's a young Morpheus. So I have a feeling there's going to be some weird kind of feedback Ouroboros thing where it's like, all right, now we're training Morpheus to be the one who wakes up and looks for the one, and it's kind of a recursion theme. But I have no clue. Origin yeah, story, maybe. I think Keanu, at least what I saw of him, or maybe just some memes, he seemed pretty cool. So. Ideally, it will not be like, uh, I don't know, political hack, uh, I game was just or something. Um, so I, that's kind of my quote unquote hope. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Um, I mean, I would really have loved, especially having watched it before I had more understanding. I was like, okay, you know, like, where's the sequel? Like, what's happening now? I want to know. 
aside of course the idea being that if it's a you know, high quality production it's even can be just very nice to look at and you, you want to explore the world and the story and so on so i guess there's many rabbit holes they could go down i guess the way you're describing it now it seems it's not really going to be a sequel anyhow so there is no other answer or nothing to be defined and put on screen there so yeah i guess i'm cool with it either way uh, i'm actually surprised that it's being made i guess it's a good time and i'm just super curious you know to which side this is gonna fall let's say well it's a very Maybe. good idea because right now keanu is hot and he's a money-making machine second of all there's so economic pragmatism involved yes, guys absolutely Maybe maybe Neo and Trinity's kid will have to fight a new Matrix. I actually wrote that on Cura about seven, six years ago when Sony put out the if there was any additional um, another story to be made about the Matrix, what would it be about? I submitted something and it was actually about uh, Neo and Trinity having a baby. Great! So, so now they're gonna steal your script. Amazing. <laughs> It's a theme in the Matrix universe. No, I just want to say my thoughts. I don't really know. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't ever attempted to think about this either. I really like to kind of go into movies without hearing much about them. Um, I would say one, my first point. I just hope they do it. They do it well. So that whatever creative team is coming up with this, I hope it's something that's interesting and works well from just a purely like plot and script, um, you know, a perspective. Not just a too. cash grab. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like it's artful, it's well done. They put in the effort and it works, you know, these kind of things. I know those are vague phrases, but um, the second, if I had to guess, you know, I mean, where we're left off is that I guess um, Smith becomes, is, is brought back into the matrix, right? Because through Neo, he kind of gets sucked back in and destroyed the virus, but then Neo is destroyed as well. Or does Neo live? I mean, maybe that's where I would want to go. That body that they kind of carry away like a funeral. Maybe they can kind of resurrect that. Uh, I'd be interested in something like that. I, honestly, that's where I'm hoping it goes, um, frankly. So, well, may, Or maybe, maybe uh, I, ju I just had a, a, a good one. Maybe because of Neo's essentially like advancement that he had made, he um, like basically like consciously reincarnates or... Uh, like Avatar: The Last Airbender, full Jesus. Yeah, exactly, full, full Jesus. Uh, in, in, in somehow into either the Matrix or perhaps even you know, quote unquote, the real world or whatever, where he, um, yeah, like comes almost yeah, or even maybe like Tibetan monk status, where it's like you know, uh, somebody else they find and Neo taps in through that or, or something to that effect. Well, look at how many Neos we've had since Jesus. We had Martin Luther King. They killed him. We had, um, you know, man. Bruce Lee. They killed him. You know, it's, um, you know, they even tried the white Jesus, Paul Walker, and they killed him. You know, all these, all these Jesus inception, all the Neos that come, come across our reality. You know, it's, it's almost like the, the major. This was all before wondering. 2012, I gotta say. I think it's a new game, kids. And it's weird because the Matrix Revolutions ends with, you know, the architects there and the Oracle with the little Indian girl. So it's basically like programs in a new world. They're looking at the sky. It's all kind of like shimmering, holographic, whatever. Um, and they're like, oh, cool. Neo's 
did the thing to cause it so that Smith isn't in, like the guy, um, Vigo, whatever, or uh, I forget his name now, uh, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not in this one. So it's like Smith's kind of out. I think what happens is that Neo did the thing, caused it to reset in such a way. And now we're in a new iteration, but because like Thomas is saying, there's a punctuation that probably hadn't occurred before. Cause he didn't choose seven men and 14 women or whatever the fuck was going on. Um, that maybe like this kind of gets into the infinite regression. So it's like, okay, you're in a machine, but now you've woken up, but now you're in a quote, real world slash machine you have the choice kind of like our uh, probably soon to come elon musk transhuman option um where they probably didn't both didn't they agree at the end of the movie didn't they say that anyone who wants to leave the machine matrix is now free to do so i mean that's right that was shift, the condition right? yeah so like neo was like i'll do this for you if you f- don't fuck with zion so there's this kind of schism a dolores canon schism in a sense where it's like there's people who are still in the matrix there's people who are free their politics will probably play out. But now we have the potential to be the fucking white light, whatever, yellow light Neo. Like, you know, the next level of waking up would be like being one with the source. So maybe it'll start tapping into like a higher level. And that's where we flush are. Machine. That's, where Kinda, that's why it's reflecting it. That's why they're making it probably. But yeah, Aquarian, Aquarian, Aquarian level up for sure. Like something to the effect yeah. too of, um, of, uh, yeah, like an awakening within Zion. You know? Exactly. Or, like, uh, but of course, there's got to be trouble, too, you know? So something, maybe maybe Smith starts fucking with Zion or something. Well, the um, Merovingian's still around. So I think right. he'll have issues. And that's kind of where I've gone. And it's funny, because even in the Bible, it's like, you know, Jesus comes back, and there's 2,000 years of peace, and then there's a generation that listens to the whatever. So there's always recursion. Like, there is no golden mo- – the golden moment is now. And then we yeah. tell ourselves through all the balances of all the yin-yang kind of schematics of, a, of the I Ching, if you want to put it, um, th- how we look at the levels of polarization. Like, is there a lot more darkness and a lot less light, et cetera, et cetera. But the, but this, the song remains the same. It's a never-ending story. It's, it's the whole point, I think. So there is no probably conclusion. And the, in the next iteration, it'll have, like you're saying, new and different challenges. Not so much like, let's unplug from the Matrix. It'll be more like, how do we coexist with people that are defending the system versus people that like want to forcefully unplug other people or you know whatever kind of those levels i got a good one so because neo uh you know basically died or whatever in the last one trinity goes to the machine world and asks that they bring back a version of neo in the machine world so she can live happily with with him she's like i need my fucking e-harmony boyfriend right now that is black mirror Has anyone seen that uh, episode of Black Mirror where she um, injects, uh, well, they they deliver a robot body yeah, of, of the husband? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that shit was gnarly. This is great. Yeah, that's a like whole other writer's room. This is like a writer's room coming up with uh, some of the some new ideas. I love the idea that um, it's a transcendent in the actual Zion. They have to level up. And I just want to throw out that scene where remember they worship, they're trying to, they want to go have sex. And then he walks out of the elevator and they're like worshiping him like a Hindu God. Or like a saint. Yeah. You know, it's like my yeah. daughter's on the ship, protect yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's part of that working with that spirituality. I think that's a cool way to go. I, I'd love to see more of that. Totally. And well, him trying to reject that and go, I'm just a dude. I, you know, in my last life, I was a hacker. I wasn't a really great guy, but you don't need to worship me. Everybody can free themselves, you know? 
And there's levels of freeing. And I think that's maybe where it could go. So it's like, yes, you can wake up from being in the copper top mode, but are you like, are your chakras in alignment now? Like that kind of thing. Um, and we should definitely have a Black Mirror episode. Start eating out. well. Yeah, like who knows what that would mean. And maybe it's like, maybe it will Veganism. reflect literally the kind of, you know, duality that we're experiencing now. They didn't now. have much. That's what I was referring to <laughs> from what I've seen. Right. It's like bad Rice Krispies. Soon. No, we're going to call it right now, I think. Um, but, so um, maybe like just in summation, whatever the last thought yeah, you guys want to say. say. Thea, what's Not up? Not it. I'll go last. Okay. Then okay, I'll shit. Uh, well, I just want to say thank you for having me on and all that good stuff. But, you know, like watching The Matrix and being absorbed so much that I changed my name. Um, legally. And legally. You know, um, understanding that you have to disconnect so hard, so hard, because the old life will try and suck you back in real quick. Um, the Matrix was a, a full-on turning point for me. Um to the point where I live my life, not under the principles, but like, man, everything is death and rebirth. This is about, this movie represents every single thing that I ever wanted to talk about or wondered about, you know, and the, the idea that God isn't some genie in a bottle or somebody who gives you preference. God is just allowing you to figure yourself out so that you can mirror back your own reactions and choose whether or not you're going to repeat that reaction. Did that work or not? Or choose a new path. And the idea that the architect has logged every single reactions of every iteration of every reaction possible and is waiting for you to react once again is just it's a, like Rick and Morty. A, show me what you got as right. Show me what you got. And having the um, the other part, the the yin part of the God head, you know, ask you, who are you? Not, this is who you are, you know. This, but she even does it in such a vague way that you have to, like a good fortune teller, open ended questions. They will just spill their guts and they will tell you what's on their hip, what's on their intuition. And then you can move forward. Then you can be your authentic self. You can't move forward until you get step by step by step. And with all of these different kind of uh, the franchise with three video games, I mean, God, Warner Brothers made so much money off of the Matrix. It's disgusting. But it just shows where the where the platitude of, of higher consciousness was. They were ready for it. People are ready to understand that our governments and maybe our parents and maybe our society isn't what we should be or where we could be. You just have to figure out where you belong, like the bee girl in the blind melon song. You know, all I can say is that my life is very good. You know, go where your tribe is and, and be very happy there. But, you know, don't don't abuse each other. Anyway, The Matrix, thank you so much for talking about this. I love it so much. It's just crazy. Okay, what you were kind of saying just then made me think about when Trinity's like, you can go down that road, but you know where it goes. We should be going yes. down new roads. Yes, exactly. And that's how I was like, okay, that didn't work. But I watch other people knowing that everybody's a Smith, even even my own, or as I like to call them, I don't call them Smiths, I call them NPCs. Anybody I can't control is an NPC. And watching the movie was like, oh, every single person, Mouse, Morpheus, and Trinity are all NPCs. They're part of the program itself as well. And 
they're just they're just part of my experience, my virtual reality experience, and all that that's being mined is my own data of my own destruction. How can I self explode? You know, at some point. So the uh, alien overlords are really interested to see how we can self explode. Slaughterhouse Five shit. Yeah. Well, thanks, Thea, for coming on. We'll get you to have your own episode soon, so I'll I'll you know coordinate that. Thomas, any kind of parting thoughts, uh, sentiments? Yeah, um, not not necessarily like in particular about the movies. Just uh, want to say thank you all for having me on once again. It's always uh, a pleasure. This is a fun time to get into some of these some of these timelines and some of these potentials and stories and, and visions. It's it's always really great coming on with you guys. So thanks for having me and thanks to everybody who choose to tune in. Most definitely. We love having you. SJ. Yeah, this has been amazing. You guys are great. I'm glad I got to spend time, share, you know, this mind space through the across the world <laughs> with you guys. And I'm glad to meet everybody. Really kind souls and really insightful stuff. So it's just a wonderful one. A part of the benefits of uh, my matrix is getting to have these kind of connective uh, moments. And yeah, final thoughts. I just tell people, you know, follow your heart, love yourself. I mean, that's the, I guess the one point I would say is that the self-talk, you know, what your, what your thoughts are saying, question those thoughts and you can kind of interrupt with new thoughts and like, don't be afraid to try on new different thoughts that feel better and that give you better results. Like this is all about um, breaking out of those kind of um, uh, well-trotted sort of uh, 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 patterns. And, you know, the other thing I just want to say briefly, uh, Raphael, I'm sorry I didn't get to uh, see you there in Vienna. You know, just the world, the matrix kind of clamped down and we're near each other right now. So it's kind of cool to be in your neck of the woods. And, um, you know, I'm hoping when this COVID thing dies down to get back into Vienna and, and, and meet you. So, Well, stay safe in Budapest. I know you're there. If anybody listening is in Budapest or knows people, uh, hit up SJ. Um, his contact information will be in the links. Um, he's got stuff going on. So, um, but yeah, dude, have fun over there. Um, and yeah, explore it as much as you can. Stay safe, like I'm saying. Uh, I guess my parting thought would be something to the effect of what a fucking crazy world of stories we tell ourselves just to become more. Um, it's always been, but it, it, it forgot itself, and now it's becoming itself through discovery. So don't be afraid to take red pills. Don't be afraid to go down rabbit holes. Um, don't try to kill Agent Smith because he is you in some weird way, right? Like balance the equations. Yeah, yeah. But uh, have fun and you know find the others. That's what it's all about. Thank you all for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I can just sing to the same tune. Uh, as the Oracle says, well, I would say now love thyself. As you said, SJ, the Oracle says know thyself. And uh, Bashar would say, don't be afraid to investigate for all you will ever find within the unknown is more of yourself. So thanks again, everyone. Enjoy the ride. Radio Radio